I'm Steph. And you're listening to The Thirst. This is a podcast about pop culture, and it will be talking about films. Not movies, because they're also films. Music. TV. Podcasts. Maybe some books. Tom Hardy. Celeb gossip. Everything. Everything you could possibly imagine. Just pop culture. And this is our fifth episode. Um, That's an accomplishment. That's five birthdays old. Five birthdays old. Happy birthday to us. If our podcast was a child, it would be going to school. Oh. That's sweet. How sweet. Um, Thanks to everyone who's listened to our first four episodes. Um, Anyone that's subscribed, given us feedback, left us reviews on iTunes, please do that if you haven't done so before. Yes. Um, If you haven't found us online yet, you can locate us quite easily. We're on Twitter at The Thirst, soundcloud.com forward slash The Thirst Pod, iTunes, you can search for us, The Thirst. Instagram, we're at The Thirst Pod. And our email address is thethirstpod at gmail.com. Please feel free to send us feedback and questions. Um, if we get enough questions, we will one day do a Q&A. One um, day, at episode 50, when we finally compile enough when we're questions. we're grey, we will do a Q&A. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> oh, there's so much poetry, poetry. today. Um, we did a couple of threaded tweets before for our previous episode, sharing links and, or, and various things and articles we've mentioned throughout. So we'll definitely do that today because we've got lots to share. Um, we'll be posting these on Tumblr too. Um, if you're looking for our Tumblr, it's thethirstpod.tumblr.com. The Tumblr that I never check. The Tumblr that Steph doesn't even know exists. Because 2010 is not calling. Well, I mean, I checked it quite a lot this week for various reasons, which we'll come to. So don't you be mean about Tumblr. Sorry. Um, we're going to be doing this every two weeks from this point out. If we can, um, you've just come out of a really busy period. It's been right busy. You've been on your workcation. Um, yeah. We're back to normal. Normal service has resumed. Normal service has resumed. So we'll be doing this um, as regularly as we possibly can. Um, corrections section. There's nothing this week. We've got no corrections because we were entirely, entirely correct. Entirely correct about everything. Um, I didn't get a chance to listen to it multiple times to actually nitpick and pull out the things that were wrong with it. So... Well done us. No one pointed anything out, so I'm just no, going to take it as a success. There were no egregious errors, so I'm going to assume that we were all nah, on the money. Um, news. You're going to start this one? I am with my favourite thing in the whole wide world, which is uh, researching finding out about people's net worths and who are the highest paid celebrities in the world, because Forbes have released their annual list of the world's highest paid celebrities. This is one of my favourite things about you, yes. of the many things, is oh, that you, just your interest and ability oh, to pull just... from the ether the net worth of a celebrity at random. I never thought I liked numbers or data or really gave a shit about money, but apparently I really do when it comes to people's net worths in I the celebrity world. I make a special allowance for the Forbes list. Yes, it's um, so good. So most of the Forbes list, the actual Forbes list, which is the 100 richest people in the world, is boring. Cause oh, it's, it's so boring. It's just business people and people that make money from other people's money, which I think is People who actually probably contribute yeah. real things to society. I am bothered about them. No, it's the celebrity list. Yes. That's the best one. Absolutely. I'm okay. going to give you the top ten. Please do. I've got it here so we can compare and contrast. Compare and contrasting the same list? Yeah. Cool. Just discussion. Sweet. Right. Number one mm-hmm. is Sean Combs slash Coombs slash P. Diddy Puff Daddy Diddy Puffy. Dad. Diddy, um, da- Diddy Daddy. Diddy. He's Puffy. Diddly Deadly Do. He is number one with 130 million from, I believe this is 2016. Um... I know, well, I always am surprised because I don't really think about him doing much, but I guess... I think he's got a lot of very savvy investments. I think that he's involved in some sort of alcohol 
business. He's some sort of alcoholism. Somehow, and, no. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, it's not like he's... Re he has put out music now, but I think he probably made a lot of smart business deals, which can probably be said for the, a lot of the people on this list. But I was very surprised he was in the top, though. Yeah. Did he do Bad Boy for Life? He did do Bad Boy That's for the Life. only fit song I know. But, do you not, yeah. not know his song from Godzilla, which was like had the Led Zeppelin um, sample in it? But, no. I would sing it to you, but I won't. Oh. And he did a cover of... Um, are we missing you song oh god that's such a good ah oh, yes yeah that's a great song play that at my funeral um okay. thanks um yes that's number one number two unsurprisingly is beyonce she uh and 105 million last i year. like that in the um jay-z and beyonce household she is the breadwinner oh she's the total breadwinner isn't she he was he's earning pittance absolute pittance pocket change 42 million dollars nothing i like it's, it's shameful yeah me too she's popping out babies and earning all that i'm cash. not surprised because i mean she does a lot more work now than he does so well done jay-z you're getting lazy Lazy. Lazy, lazy, lazy man. Lazy, lazy. Lazy. Um, number three is J.K. Rowling with 95 million. Fine. Fairly unsurprising there. Not surprising. Uh, number four, Drake or Drizzle. Um, I, oh, drizzle. Drizzle cake. Lemon drizzle cake. Lemon drizzle um, cake Drake. I was surprised by this. <laughs> I don't know why I was surprised, but I definitely was a bit like... Did you think oh. he'd be in the teens rather than... Yeah, the... I knew he'd probably be on the list, but I didn't anticipate that he'd be that high. But, you know, well done, Aubrey. Was it Hotline Brink? Brink? Bring, bring, bring. Hotline Brink. Bring, bring. Someone's ringing him about his money. Hotline Bree. Just lots of cheese. Yeah, I was... <laughs> <laughs> just so many money references. Just... Um, I was surprised he was quite high, but, I mean, fair play. Yeah. I wonder if it's Canadian dollars, that money. Or if it's American dollars. I just assumed it's American dollars. Oh, is knows? there a difference? Is Canadian. Oh, God, I'm there sorry. Is a difference. Yeah, oh, yeah. The two currencies. <laughs> uh, how do they? How do they both? How do they compare to the English pound at this? Probably the, with the rubbish, aren't they? So yeah. No, both rubbish pretty, in the sense that there's no exchange rate. Because our country's rubbish. Anyway, yeah. moving on. Number five. Cristiano Ronaldo, which I don't really give a shit about. No, but there's a lot of money in football, so. Ninety-three million is is rich dude uh number six the weekend 92 million quite surprised by this yeah didn't think he'd be that high i thought he'd be in the teens as well i don't really care for him or pay any attention to him interesting we both prefer earlier weekend yes early weekend is good is he still dating selena gomez i don't know actually we'll research this yeah. but i mean i don't he doesn't ever come onto my radar i like that um i can't feel my face song yeah that's fine. That's a good song. But apart from that... He's done quite a lot for someone who's 27. He's quite young, so I mean, he's, I wouldn't be And precisely 92 million more than I've earned this I year. I wouldn't so. complain if um, if I had that much money when I was that age. That'd be right. That'd be pretty good, too. Number seven is Howard Stern. I don't know who Howard Stern is. Uh, Howard Stern is a US radio DJ. He has a... Is there that much money in radio? Well, I think he, he, he does a lot of work with Sirius Radio. I don't really understand how um, radio in the States works, but no. Sirius, he has his own show. I only know because I listen to a lot of um, sort of like the recordings of when he does interviews with celebrities, mm. um, which is often quite interesting. He's a bit of a shock jock, I think. He says a lot. I think oh, he's okay. been kicked off a lot of jobs for being quite Ooh. controversial. But, um, so I wasn't really surprised, I think. That 90 million, that's a lot. 
Yeah, there were a lot of people on this list, like US-based people, that I had no... Oh, we don't know who they are. I had no awareness who a lot of people were or, like, realised they were worth that much money. There's lots of country stars that I'm like, that's not a thing over yeah, here. Yeah, there really, were a lot of, like, so... media personalities that I didn't know who they were. Yeah. Um, so, and, so I'm not surprised that you had no awareness of who he is. Um, number eight is Coldplay. Oh, just so boring. It's just £88 million more than they should have been paid because they're so boring. Yeah, they. That, I'm assuming that's their mass net worth as opposed to individual i think so one direction is there there's been like well I, yeah is yeah yeah it would be it'll be the group i, I imagine chris I martin's imagine probably like put, 87 out of the 88 million yeah i can't imagine they would have put coldplay on there and been like but p.s actually it's yeah mostly just chris martin. the rest of the band are just on minimum wage <laughs> yeah they're just session they're just interning just interning um number nine is the only author oh no that's not true because jk rowling is number three but the second author on the list is james patterson yeah 87 fine. million fine whatever Quite prolific sorry. yep uh number 10 lebron james 86 million also not really surprising lots of money in basketball. um any other interesting f uh people to feature in the top 100 for you um some things i did pull out that i thought were quite good um justin beaver beaver <laughs> Justin Bieber. I knew I was going to say Justin Bieber is Biebs. worth more than um, Bruce Springsteen. Biebs is worth eighty-three million dollars, whereas Springsteen's worth seventy-five million dollars. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm I assuming... thought Bruce Springsteen had earned quite a lot in the last year because of his book and such. Yeah, but... I think it's interesting. I suppose a lot of money comes down Biebs to Biebs. touring and probably endorsements and stuff. And I imagine Biebs has got a lot more. He did a lot. He also played a lot of shows in the past yeah, year, so he? I just thought it was quite good. It's all merchandise. Sales. Yeah, I thought it was quite an interesting point. Um, I liked that Calvin Harris was more worth more than Taylor Swift. Yes, and also that Taylor Swift fell from number one in the list last year to number 49. Yeah, that's funny. Also unsurprising, though, because I um, the previous year she was on a big album She did, tour. like, her world tour, didn't yeah, she? Yeah, so she's had a bit of a low period this year. Um, I imagine that next year she'll be quite high because her album cycle dictates that tradition goes that she'll be probably be releasing an album at the end of this year so i imagine next year she'll be back up there raking it in from all those mm. world tours do you like do you do you like taylor swift well i wore a taylor swift t-shirt to work yesterday oh. um i do like taylor swift i'm, I'm musically I'm, yeah she's i'm good. under no illusion that she is an insufferable human being she's a bit of a nasty girl isn't she's, she she's a mean girl she's a mean she's mean girl regina george she's, i don't think she's very nice you know no she's not very nice i do i have a like a bit of a, a soft spot for the way that she always writes songs about ex-boyfriends because i think it's funny mostly yeah. because of who they are um, we've talked about that briefly before mm -hmm. when we did Harry. But Leave Harry alone. I think that's quite funny. Um, she's just mean, though. She's not very nice to girls. No, and I don't like this sort of her pseudo... So the big thing with her last tour was that she was being, like, you know, super feminist girl power, bringing out loads of famous... Her best friends. Yeah, her best I her don't squad. Think, yeah, her squad, Taylor's squad. Um, I don't think I'd trust her very much as my friend. She seems a bit... Of a, uh, a snake, as she would say. She's a full-on Kim Kardashian, like, as she said, she's a, she's a snake in the grass. Um, yeah, I mean, I like listening to her music. She did put everything back on Spotify recently. However, it was the day before Katy Perry's album dropped, so that was a very It just much, seems a bit shitty. That's a shitty thing to do. Yeah, um, I know people found that funny. I don't think I found that very funny. I just thought that was a bit... It was momentarily funny, but also I was mostly pleased that the music was back on, but I just think it was a bit mean. I mean, she's just a mean girl. She's a mean girl. She's a mean girl, and yeah, just because she talks all the 
the girl power doesn't mean I necessarily have to believe it or respect it. I think she's a bit too faced. It's like strange like backwards it. feminism. Yeah. But I did like that Calvin Harris was worth more than her. Touche. I just I thought that, that made me did that made me laugh. A I wonder how bit. much Tom Hiddleston is worth next to her. Oh yeah, he heads. Mm. Um, any other points you want to pick out? Uh, Rihanna was number seventy-seven, was thirty-nine million. I thought I thought she'd be a bit higher. Actually, I think I thought she'd be higher because she was anti look- last year. Anti was two thousand and. Maybe the start of last year, yeah, I think. I so, just, I mean, yeah. she does a lot of endorsements with the Puma stuff with Fenty. Puma. Puma. I thought she would be higher, but yeah. I mean, that's still a lot of money. Well, she, um, yeah, she's. Do- I mean, she's doing all right, isn't she? She's doing all right. Um, the other one I just did not like was Adam Sandler, number thirty-five with fifty point five million. Um, don't like that either, but also not surprised. He has a deal with Netflix where they basically throw money at him, and he's allowed to make oh, rubbish films. I just wish they wouldn't do that. One, the Ridiculous Six got zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes. That's just that's enough to just get security to escort him out the door. I'd he's say just that the last so naff. Yeah, I'd say the last Adam Sandler film I actually enjoy was probably Punch Drunk Love, which is And that was a while ago. That's a long time ago. He that's the film he did with Paul Thomas Anderson. I mean, I, f- I find the the thing that annoys me about him the most is that he is actually quite capable of making a decent film if he can be bothered. Mm. Um I think he's got a collaboration coming up with Noah Bumbach who directed um Francis Ha. Mm. Um which is an interesting collaboration. Again, I mean, his collaboration with Paul Thomas Anderson was quite interesting, but he does insist on churning out, like, really rubbishy um, comedies. Rubbish! Is, you know, that's fine if Netflix want to oh, throw money in bed. I'm not, not paying... That's not what I pay my Netflix subscription no, for. not for me, thanks. Naff. Um, just a shout-out to Networths generally. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a party trick for me. I just really like to know how much people are worth, and it interests me probably mostly because the people that I see as like really influential and important in my life sometimes are not worth as much as other people who I think are just a bit shit yeah so I think it's something like Prince and Bowie collectively are not worth as much as Bono which is just insulting that's crazy it's just grim Bono's a bit of a tax dodger so I think that's probably why it's probably why it's just a yeah in the bank gross um Tom Hardy's worth 30 million which isn't that much but you know Chris Pine 20 million sure Jake Gyllenhaal's something like 70 or something That's just fine. i, I just like it. having these things to be able to whip out i like that you know to be able to envisage what my life would be like when i am married to one of these fancy rich celebrities um i could get on with that money yeah Jake, i don't i don't, probably couldn't spend all of it no i month. think you'd have a decent life yeah i could probably do all right in that i think i've just got no concept of like how much celebrities earn so apart from you know when you occasionally hear like oh so and so got paid this much for a film so i think that a net worth is always quite an interesting mm. I, you know, I just like how much you love it I, it's like one of my favourite things. I was so gleeful that Forbes had released it. It's the happiness list. that you get from it that always just <sighs> makes me really. It shouldn't be satisfying because obviously it's like, oh wow, incredible wealth differences in the world. But I just find it, I'm just really interested in it. Yeah, I love I it so much. I think you can enjoy it, but also acknowledge the fact that these people probably have too much money. Oh, a little bit too much money. But, you know. Fine. That's the way the world is. They're so. bringing me joy. Um, also, this week, um, this is... This could not have been more relevant to our interests. Yeah. And um, when I saw it on Twitter, my heart skipped a beat. Did it? It did. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah. personal fave, um, has bought an apartment in the same building as Ryan Reynolds and Harry Styles. I mean, I'm not that fussed about Ryan Reynolds, I won't lie to you. But, but, the, what, what is this place that just has all these people living together? So like, it's it's I, like um, the cast of Friends. It's like the cast of Friends. So, um... Variety, their website, they have this section called Real E-Stalker. Um, 
That's the best. I love it's that probably name. Pronounced like real stalker, so like real estate, but not basically it's just all... e-stalking. I, you know, your thing is like celebrity net worth. I'm quite into like celebrity real estate. Yeah, I love whenever it's announced that someone's selling their apartment and there are pictures online on on a. <laughs> like a real estate website where you can have a nose but um so it, it's in tribeca in new york would you, would you like to me to read some some details to you please do i'm sure it's rubbish i'm uh, sure it's, it's absolutely pants the uh, the freshly converted and forbiddingly expensive condo complex originally a late 19th century book bindery has attracted what? a fair share of entertainment industry heavy hitters it bills itself as a paparazzi proof and hence has attracted a growing list of privacy and security minded famous folk god it must be like I was going to say Alcatraz, but you know what I mean. mean people like escape from Alcatraz. Yeah. Fort Knox people can't get Not Alcatraz. Alcatraz people get out of. <laughs> um, so Jake Gyllenhaal paid for this apartment, which was $8.6 million. Um, it has a subterranean motor court, which allows residents to discreetly come and go by car or cab without being seen. Mate, I go in the multi-story all the time. That's a <laughs> subterranean car. This one's under court, underground, whatever. though, and no celebrity paps can get you. Um, it's got a round-the-clock doorman and concierge, top-level security, um, on, on-site valet parking. There's a lovely courtyard. You can see pictures of it online. Who's there? Oh, how lovely. Of, um, lovely trees. There's a swimming pool, roof terrace, fitness centre. Um, it also says as well, other household names who have bought into the building include British boy bander Harry Styles, married actors lovely Blake Harry. Lively and Ryan Reynolds, oh. and Hunger Games superstar Jennifer Lawrence, what? who shelled out point. Three million in early 2017 for an almost 3,200 square foot mid-floor unit currently available as a luxury rental at £27,000 per month. So she bought it and is renting it out for 27 grand a month. Does she think many people are going to be able to afford that? I think we could. Let's move there. She should put it on Airbnb. She, oh, do you reckon it is on Airbnb? Should we go and look later? Should we look? Um, also, Jennifer, um, not Jennifer Lawrence, Justin Timberlake and J- Jessica Biel. What is this place? Um, live there, and Lewis Hamilton. Do, didn't they all go to the same coffee shop? Uh, it's probably got one built in. It is just Central Perk, and they all I just... I personally really like the idea that all of these people are living in the same building, but mostly that Jake and Harry are living in the same building. Well, that's together. just ideal, isn't it? That's my dream scenario. <sighs> I could hang out with Jake and then maybe pop down to the swimming pool, just bump into Harry. He loves a swimming pool. He just yeah, loves swimming. Just loves swimming, so we could just hang out for a bit. You know, go to the roof terrace. Justin Timberlake's there. That's you know. silly, isn't it? This, oh, as if these places exist. I mean, New York's like a fairly big city, so um, people could live elsewhere. Yeah, it just. I, I guess they like the. It sounds pap- like some fanfic someone would write. It does sound like fanfic, but. I would write. Um, it, I just like that it's paparazzi proof. I guess that's the appeal if you're a famous person and want mm. to come and go. But, you know. Lush. There we go. So maybe we should do like a celebrity real estate section. Yeah. could just be like, oh. oh, let's do it. Yeah. Celebrity real estate corner. We'll do that from now on. Good. There we go. Um, and we did some uh, Wonder Woman chat yep. last week when we saw the film. And um, that was all right, wasn't it? It was. I mean, I think we liked it. It was fairly. Yeah, um, on, on the theme of Wonder Woman, uh, Joss Whedon wrote a script for Wonder Woman back in two thousand and six, and it has leaked. And boy, has the internet gone into meltdown! Cool, it's crap, isn't it? Um, so, I'm, I'm so, honestly. I mean, I started reading it. Have you read any of I it? I have read excerpts, but I couldn't. I mean, I read the beginning, and then I read little bits that had been posted elsewhere. It's fairly. Un, I mean, it's fairly unreadable in terms of. I just can't imagine people 
Oh, it just would. It if this had been made compared to what was actually made. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting it having seen the film recently and liked it as much as we did, and kind of looked at it as being like a really, really positive example of what can happen when a female character is brought to the screen through a female gaze. It was interesting to read parts of the script and kind of just think about how kind of creepy and misogynistic we didn't it's take. a bit disappointing as well i say a bit it's really, it's really disappointing. disappointing i mean i've got some um there was an article on i can't remember which oh i think it was from the mary sue it was yeah there was one so on the mary sue where they said diana is introduced as the girl in her own story as you continue to read she's continuing she's not like she she doesn't take center stage from the beginning right no. it starts with steve no so she's she's introduced in her own story as just the girl and as you continue to read, she's continually the object of being looked at, corrected or talked about. She's generally reactive and rather than making heroic decisions, is usually told what she should be doing in any given situation. Steve Trevor, rather than inspiring her, as he does in the current Wonder Woman film, serves as her actual creator Just in this sort of script. pulls her around, yeah. Um... And then it says, like, you know, what decisions does she make? Oh, just things like doing a seductive dance to distract the Oh, bad that bit. Um, there is one particular passage. I mean, it's interesting to think about, um, obviously, the film that we saw, you know, Patty Jenkins' brilliant film with Gal Gadot. Um, also, the way that we kind of, you know, the character of Steve Trevor in particular, I mean, we talked at length about Chris Pine. Um, it's interesting to think about Steve Trevor and how he was in the Patty Jenkins mm -hmm. vision versus... I mean, we don't. Yeah, so I mean, I've... if anyone's got... I personally don't have problems with uh, the relationship between Steve and uh, Diana in the actual Wonder Woman yeah. film we've got. I think it's great. But, I mean, if people did happen to have sort of any apprehension around it, I mean, boy, compare it to this, and it's like... It's a bit much. I mean, there's, there's <laughs> this... I mean, I'm just going to read this passage because I genuinely was just like, this is horrendous, and I can't believe anyone wrote this. It says... Um, this is, so this is Steve Trevor speaking. It says, I think you're dangerous... I think you mean well, but you're looking for trouble and you're wildly adept at finding it. I think you've got delusions of grandeur and some actual <laughs> grandeur, which is confusing. I don't like confusing. I hate the fact that I'm so attracted to you. Just touching you is overwhelming and I keep hoping you'll turn around so I can see more of you naked. I don't have much to say about that's Why is that a thing? Do you know, bloody women, when they're dangerous because they're so alluring, they're so bloody, they think so much of themselves... And I mean, it, I, on the, I mean we'll definitely link to this particular Mary Sue article because it was really interesting kind of... I just can't believe he thought that any of that was OK. And it's like the state, the set, I don't know what they call it in... Because I don't do film studies, but the, like, almost like the, the set directions mm -hmm. where they've got the little passages. Oh, yes, yeah, so like stage yeah. directions. Yeah, stage directions. I mean, they're so OTT are, in a really, like... I don't know. They're just so voyeuristic and so... They're just disgusting. I like, think what worries me... It's is not just like, oh, she does a dance. It's like she does, like, this fluid, rippling, sensual, wicked, sexy dance. It's really OTT. I mean, what's worrying for me is that if you've got writers that are writing this kind of stuff and are sending it to studios, and then studios are sending this out to directors who are then putting it on the screen... I mean, obviously, when you're in the, in the movie-making business, scripts go through so many different iterations, but it's just disturbing that, like, you have got writers. And people writing women in particular. I mean, when we did our um, Cannes chat, we talked mm. about, you know, Jessica Chastain pointing out that she didn't recognise on screen a lot, you know, women, real women characters. Mm. And I think that's because, you know especially men writing female characters. I mean, I'm not saying they can't do it, but it's just when you've got things like this, this is a prime also, example. Also, just weird like, in, like, 
so you meant Buffy? Like, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that um, there are often interesting things I read about Whedon in particular, and when you kind of go back and look at Buffy, and there are instances in that where, especially in the later seasons, I mm. think there are things that are worth flagging. But, I mean, it's just weird to think that someone that wrote such an iconic female character gets it so wrong. Yeah. That, that doesn't fill me with hope, but... I just hope he realises how wrong he... I think, Has he said anything about it? I don't Do know, know if he's come no. out and said anything. I mean, I think the like, problem... You know, apologised, generally. Yeah, I mean, I think the problem is, obviously, is that because the film has just come out, this, by comparison, is just absolute mm. horseshit and has created such a stir, rightfully so, Yeah. Um, that there's just sort of no way of kind of... I mean, even though it was... You know, so this came out in 2006, and even though it was a good 11 years ago, that's still... That's not acceptable. That's not acceptable. No. It's not like it was written in like the 60s and you kind yeah. of go like, oh, it was a different time. Yeah. Like, no. It really wasn't. Not at all. This is a person that wrote Buffy. Yeah. This is the guy that did Buffy, for fuck's sake. Like, was the first, like, moment for a lot of young women. For, oh, my God. When they, like, so, like, identity defining. This is what I came back to, <laughs> is the fact that Buffy as a, as a character for a lot of you know young women like growing up iconic was the one yeah right? absolutely so this just feels like a bit and of now you've just tooth. yeah i let's just bury that one again bad form joss whedon zero stars cool um what we're currently enjoying and what we're looking forward to um should we start with music yeah i mean disclaimer in the past few weeks i haven't been able to sample well i haven't really done much except work which isn't a bad thing it's been very nice um but i it, i have barely been able to do much so a lot of mine is going to be things i'm looking forward to fortunately i'm looking forward to a lot yeah i mean it's an interesting time you I can would... fill me in with what you've been up to sure i mean interesting time uh, there's a lot of stuff coming up in the summer and definitely i'm the same i haven't really kind of watched a lot recently but um just one thing in particular that i wanted to draw attention on the music front um lord released her mm. album melodrama last week um it's her first album in four years um pure heroine came out in 2013 and that was her debut um, and for me in particular, melodrama is such a level up to like, the yeah, it absolutely degree. is listen to nothing else this week. It's been great. I mean, I've listened to it this week as well. And April kind of texted me and said, oh, you should really listen to this. And I was like, mm, like, I'm not really a Lord fan. I wasn't really fussed about the first mm -hmm. record, so I haven't really pursued it. And I was like, oh, I, well, you know, I'll give it a go because April's saying to, and you know, I've heard quite a few people mention it online. Um, Anna's really into it from the first listen like straight out first track great yeah it's really just such, great it's such a progression musically I think I mean she's done um, she's collaborated on this in particular with Jack Antonoff mm. who we've talked about before with Bleachers but Bloody love Jack. And it seems yeah. to be that this kind of collaboration between the two of them um, you know has really brought some kind of really fruitful and amazing music um, to the forefront um, there was an article this week by um Lauren O'Neill, who writes for Noisy, um, yep. she wrote kind of an essay which was called On Youth, Pain and Melodrama. And there's just a particular passage in this, which I think that kind of really encapsulates um, what the album is about generally. I mean, Lord's talked about how it's kind of a, a, a breakup album and it's kind of, um, I think she called it like a house party. Oh, really? She, yeah, there's a kind of uh, sort of an allegorical kind of thing that she talked about there. How young is she? She's 20, I think. That's disgusting. She's super young. I mean, she was super young when Pure Heroine came out. And um, I think, she must have been really young. Yeah, I think she's 20, 21 maybe. I mean, she's, you know, from New Zealand as well. So it's not like she's kind of grown up in a kind of, you know, 
New York or LA yeah, or yeah, yeah. like that. But, um, so in Lauren's piece, um, she writes, It sounds like when I danced to Kylie Rae Jepsen in a windowless room, sweating through my clothes and drinking rum and ting out of a plastic cup I was handed by a stranger. But it also sounds like the morning after that, when I woke up at 7am to the feeling of my heart beating so urgently, I was convinced that it would burst out of my chest. Melodrama is vomit. It is regret. It is sexting. It is the beautiful girls you meet in the bathroom of a nightclub. It's Friday night and it's Sunday morning. And for these reasons, it is quite, quite perfect. That's um, great. Well, um, can I just say, though, don't ever accept drinks off people you don't know. Yeah, that's a bit dangerous. <laughs> um, in, I mean, I just feel like this It kind of really nails the kind yeah, of it party does. before, morning mm. after vibe of the album. Um, we'll definitely link to Lauren's article because I just feel like of all the pieces I've kind of read this week about um, Lord's New Record in particular, all of the most interesting have, of course, come from the perspective of women, mm -hmm. as usual. Um, and Lauren's was definitely up there as being one of my faves. Um, I would definitely recommend listening to Melodrama if you haven't already. Um, it is great. I mean, I'm I'm converted as well. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was quite interesting. So I said it to you just because I was like, I've just relentlessly listened to this and I'm going to talk about it. It's pretty it. much, yeah. But when I have listened to anything, I've it. listened to it a lot. Yeah, I mean, um, it's just super catchy. Like There's there's like dancey kind of numbers you can see yourself dancing to wildly or there's kind of like a few low... I mean, I really like the song Louvre. Um, and also just some of the lyrics in this record are just so spot on. Yeah. Um, I just feel like I should set up a Twitter that's just exclusively for tweeting lyrics from this record. I'm sure it already exists. Probably we'll have does. To have a wee look. Um, um, so check it out, Lord. On the music front, I guess the only other thing that I've listened to that's new and that, again, we discussed was SCA? SZA? SZA. I think it's SZA. 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 It's such a great record. SZA. CTRL. Control. Control. Just, I don't know how you it's want to pronounce such it, a but nice summer yeah, record. it was released on the 9th of June on Top Dog. Uh, I guess my only experience of her beforehand was that she was on Consideration, which is like the opening track of Rihanna's album, which is the best track. It's the best song on that record. It's so, I remember last year, last summer, you listening to that like on repeat. Was, do you remember on when repeat. We, we were going somewhere, um, I think we were driving to go to Yarmouth in your car, and we were like listening to Auntie. Yeah. And that's such a good song. song. It's such a good album opener. Oh my god! I was very much looking to this record. Yeah, it's super, super nice summary <sighs> kind of just R and B. It's great, and you're right. It does remind me of um, does remind me a bit of Rihanna. It reminds me a little bit of like how I found Pink Friday mm. when Nicki Minaj to be like a summer album as yeah. well. Um, it features guest appearances from Travis Scott and Kendrick Lamar amongst others. Um, I really like the song with Kendrick's on. I mean, I yeah. just, it's always a foregone conclusion that if you stick Kendrick on anything, I'm bad. Yeah, think it's kind of bad. just a really nice... Uh, it's like an R&B album, but it, I think it does do something different. But, like, I can't pretend to be particularly knowledgeable in those areas, like, mm -hmm. in those genres. But it is just a really fun album to listen to. Um, also, just a couple of other things linked to that. I was just reading about it earlier and there was, I think it was a Rolling Stone article where they were talking about, there's loads of 90s references in there. Mm -hmm. So there's like a song called Drew Barrymore. Um, Are you going to mention the video? No. Oh, what so about the video? The video for Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore's in it. Oh, there's how a scene nice. where like, um, she's like walking up some stairs. Oh God, it's so good. I saw that and I was like, fuck yeah. There's That's a really good quote from this. Uh, Rolling Stones article yeah. where they ask her about the 90s theme and the uh -huh. tracks and like was that something you um you'd leaned into and mm -hmm. um, she said I just I just enjoyed this she said we're all kids from that time everybody's in this mood right now but we also wanted to express the way we felt we love Limp Biscuit and fucking gorillas and corn and sad teen movies we spent a whole day listening to Nirvana and a whole bunch of slam metal and grunge 
amazing. Oh my god, I want to be best friends with oh, her. I know. Um, and also, did you see that? Of course, Azealia Banks had to have something to say about it. No, go on. Um, she she's just decided that this girl has totally stolen her look. Okay. It's like you are the most you are the most disappointing thing that has happened in music for a very long time. Oh. Like when Two One Two came out, like I was like, Azealia Banks is going to be brilliant. She is so embarrassing oh i just feel like she's my biggest disappointment in like it the is past funny 10 isn't it because i do remember Twitter, when I, I do remember when 2 one came out and we just all relentlessly listened to it and then she just went off on a kind of tirade. she's so boring who yeah. who even cares it's just yeah it's amazing that the second like another female artist has any kind of any level of recognition or praise she's on it she straight does away she has to drag them so she's really clearly mean. stealing my looks like or she's just doing shit that's actually interesting yeah. because you're irrelevant and just horrible let some, just let someone be successful yep um i have not watched many movies recently however the one movie that i did manage to watch since we last recorded was the uh lindsay <laughs> just my love yes i don't feel like i need to talk about this at length but i mean I well was... i i mean i'd invite you to that's fine by me oh i just watched it because um it was on tv I had a sunday morning free <laughs> and there was i'm at a point now where the only tv i can watch i have to watch um with tom because we're watching the same shows and he'd gone for a bike ride and i was like oh i just want to watch something. isn't it selfish when people do that and you're like it's i just want to carry so on watching tv rude. or films or whatever so rude um, and it, it's been in my Netflix queue for like about a thousand years and I just put it on. It's got Chris Pine in it and McFly. and McFly, which <laughs> the biggest... Is it got Chris Pine in it? Yeah, he plays the... I feel like now I, now I actually enjoy and value Chris Pine. He's, he's really, appearing in more stuff okay. than I so realise. The film itself is generally shit. That's not... That's not. Like, oh, is it not like no, not well, it's just not like a teen movie rubber. It's like just general teen movie fare. I mean, apparently, but it's not the, like superior teen movie. No, fare. I mean, apparently, it's the film on which, on the set of. I mean, there was a lot of issues on during the production where Lindsay Lohan was basically being a nightmare. Apparently, she OD'd on the set of this. Oh lord. Film. Um, oh, that's it's got, sad. Randomly has McFly in it. The idea that McFly would ever be successful in the US, sure. Um, Chris Pine is in it as the humble his Nick character's name is, but he's like the unlucky Chris. character who meets Lindsay Lohan, who's always lucky. Just his luck. Um, and the lucky, the luck switches. Um, <laughs> it's fine. I so mean, it's like Freaky Friday mess mixed with not another teen well, movie. Well, someone was uh, when I was doing some research into Just My Luck. One of the things that came up, I think this must have just been from IMDb trivia, was the fact that Lindsay Lohan has been in so many films where there's some sort of swap. So she was in Freaky Friday. Yeah, where was she, she in Parent Trap? She was in the Parent Trap, <laughs> and then this as well. So. But I just, I felt Aww. the need to talk. I mean, it was, it's just one of those teen movies where you can put it on. You don't have to think about it too much. It like, makes me think of not another teen movie when the first time I ever put it on, I was like right at the height of my Obsessed with Good Charlotte stage and I didn't actually realise Good Charlotte were in it. And when they came on, I almost had a heart attack. We should do an episode where we talk about bands in movies. Because, I think we should. Um, I had the same experience with not another teen oh movie. God. Also, um, the offspring are in this film called Idle Hands. Yes, yes, Idle and Hands. Being like, oh my god, that's. Oh, we need to rewatch all of these and have a commentary about it. Okay, let's do that soon. The thing with Just My Luck is just it's you know one of those those two thousands. I think it's two thousand six, so it's quite late. Um, and I just had always wanted to, to see it, and I watched it. But it's one of those things where if I'd watched it when I was like a really young teenager, it would probably like just be like, oh, living in New York is so amazing. When actually, like the reality of it is probably not as great as Lindsay Lohan had this like luxury apartment, and I don't know. 
But there you go, that's pretty much. I mean, I'm yeah. looking forward to a lot of things. There's a lot of there's a two week period where loads of movies. Should I read you from my list of things yes. that are coming out? So in the next two weeks, we've yeah. got. Are we seeing a lot of these together? I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, that was my vision. Sorry, um, I just invited myself. Oh God, so awkward. I wasn't going to invite you. Um, so things that are coming up that. Um, I am looking forward to it a whole lot. Got Okia is out next week. So yeah. is Baby Driver. Oh, um, yes, I do. Yeah, I'm going to for that. Um, song to Song, which is the Terrence Malick. I don't um, know about that one. It's a film with Ryan Gosling and Michael Fassbender. Oh. Uh, my dream. Um, it was filmed five years ago at South by Southwest. And it's only now just getting really? released. So oh, there we go. Um, it Comes at Night, which is another mm-hmm. one from A24, who are the studio that are responsible for some of our favourite films like The Witch, um, Green Room. I've just discussed... I mean, I hadn't really paid attention to this before, and now I'm like, they might be the best people ever. Mm-hmm. So, Moonlight, The Lobster, yep. The Witch, yep. Ex Machina, yep. Room, Green Room, yep. Spring Breakers, yep. Under the Skin, American Honey, yep. Free Fire. Yep. Like, what the hell? Basically, That's like a list of all the best films ever. It's one of those studios where That's um, I hadn't realised they'd had an involvement in a lot of um, films, which I had loved. I mean, some of them were obvious, so I knew they were involved with... Um, uh, green room in particular um the witch um, yeah i think i knew her. the witch but but i'd forgotten about room in particular i mean i loved it but didn't i don't think yeah. i realized it's 84 um american honey i saw last year and absolutely loved x macken is one of your favorites one of my faves so yeah they're a great so interesting studio i'm really looking forward i think we should see that together cause... we absolutely i mean i'm really looking forward to it comes at night i'm a bit of a uh, a horror movie addict really yeah um, i mean so they're, they're kind of um the kind of a new horror vibe mm. you know like i feel yeah. like it's an interesting well, it's kind of, of i mean it's got it it doesn't have this vibe but it reminds me in a little way like watching the trailer creep me out in the way that watching um the anatomy of jane doe kind of creeped mm-hmm. me out um okay. slash i say creep me out absolutely terrified me i really um, want to see that but i know that i feel that... i still feel a little bit ill thinking about it sure. i really scared me and nothing it doesn't usually it. scare me that much, but we have to watch it together. Um, but I'm really looking forward to that. I like that it stars Joel Edgerton, mm-hmm. um, who's in Black Mass and Warrior. Mm-hmm. It also stars Christopher Abbott, who is Charlie and Girls. It does. Oh, Charlie. Charlie. He's in something else as well, but no, I can't remember what it was. Oh, um, he isn't. I can't remember what he's in as well. Something he left to do for Girls. We'll oh, come back to it. Sorry about that. Um, I'm also space? really looking forward to The Beguiled as well. Yes, we have mentioned that before. I'm very... So we'll, um, I feel like we'll try and see as many of those as we can. I feel like next time we might have quite a lot to talk about. Yeah, maybe we should do about. movies. movies yeah. um, I'm also looking forward to, sort of blockbuster-wise, mm-hmm. uh, War for the Planet of the Apes, because I've actually oh, really enjoyed yeah. the Planet so, of the Apes film, so that's out the 14th quite of July. I've really enjoyed them. Um, they pleasantly them. surprised me yeah. as well, actually. So. Like, you know, I'm not addicted to them, but um, I could easily watch them again because they're, they're good fun. So that's out on the 14th of July, so I'd be keen to watch that soon as well. Sure, there we go. So that's movies. Uh, TV-wise, I have not been watching much, really. Um... Twin Peaks, you've talked about a length. Mate, I haven't even watched Twin, the, this episode of Twin either. Peaks yet. Oh, that's fine. That then. Facebook group that we both joined. Ooh, yes. I've, Don't look at it. I Don't know. look at it yet. Because if you haven't seen the episode, there'll be so many spoilers. I have had a little few things to Yeah, so have so I. But, but the two things that I have been watching. Um, so I mentioned that I haven't really got anything at the moment that's short. That I kind of... So I'm big into like 30 minute stuff. I can just put on and yeah. watch really quickly. Um, we got... Um, a subscription to a streaming thing so we could watch Twin Peaks and one of the the channels that you get with this particular streaming service is that you get Viceland. Yes, the, you do. The TV channel that comes from the makers of my, Vice magazine. Um, two shows in particular on that that I have 
um, we'd been kind of watching anyway, but because they are both on Viceland, we've kind of blitzed through. Um, we watched season two of Dead Set on Life. Haven't watched it. You haven't watched it, and also fuck, that's delicious. I've heard of it, but I haven't okay. watched it. So these are two cooking shows. Yeah, I fucking love cooking I shows. I love cooking shows. I like watching people cook meat, especially. Oh I don't my know god! Why. So Tom and I were talking the other day about how much we love cooking shows and how ninety-five percent probably higher than that of what they make we can't eat we're both vegan yeah so a lot of it's you know meat and, and dairy and dairy and all these like amazing you know meals that are created from stuff that we can't eat um dead sort on life is hosted by a guy called matthew matheson mm -hmm. um he's a toronto-based um oh i chef. do know about that yeah i do know about yeah, this yeah so and in, in his particular se um, season he goes from various different cities and kind of meets different people in those cities and kind of looks at local cuisine or local kind of restaurants and places mm. that are, are good to eat he's hilarious yeah you like absolutely you i have seen him on like social media yeah i mean he's friends with um with cancer bats mm -hmm. um yeah so i do know who he is yeah they kind of crop up in a few episodes they're in the they do that this this is amazing opening title sequence um for the show um has bats playing in which is pretty cool so Excellent. i definitely recommend that there's an episode in season two in particular where he goes to montreal and it's it's he kind of partners up with a local um rabbi and he takes him around all the jewish Ooh. kind of areas and kind of cuisines in in montreal and it was incredibly interesting and it's just sort of a really like kind of fresh interesting take on kind of a cooking show like cooking and a travel show yeah one. the best combination on, on the flip side to that as well we've got fuck that's delicious which yeah. is um hosted by action bronson yeah uh, rapper action bronson who i absolutely adore and it's action bronson is he's hilarious he's so good he's so, i mean I'm musically just, and just like as a personality absolutely like i've actually i know i said i haven't really listened to much other music this week but i've kind of been bronson. listening to a lot of bronson since this. so um he the show itself kind of flits between following him on tour and seeing kind of the restaurants and places that he goes to while he's on tour and also there are episodes where they kind of have off days or um, they just follow him on trips he goes to morocco on one particular day i mean it's just a kind of i don't know i just really like watching other people cook and eat food Bronson's, it's immensely satisfying yeah i mean both and calming absolutely both of the shows i mean action bronson himself has got kind of a history in um cooking anyway he was a chef before he became a rapper full-time so he's got like a real passion for food and obviously matty is a, is a chef as well and it, it's just this kind of like passion for eating and for cooking food and for like sourcing the best food yeah. as well it's not like it's eating kind of like crappy junk food it's not man versus there. food no i do also love man versus I food like it as well, but these it's just different <laughs> these these guys have like a real passion mm. for food and when they meet and interact with um chefs and people's people at restaurants um it's just really nice to see so i definitely recommend checking those out they're both hilarious as well lovely um, old job so there's kind of uh, two very um mm. huge personalities at the helm of um two kind of really great shows so. nice um I I haven't I have like I said I haven't even watched Twin Peaks so I'm bloody behind. Um, uh, two things I'm looking forward to though um, they've just announced that Star Trek Discovery will debut on the 24th of September um, this oh. year, which is quite nice. I I enjoy Star Trek. Um, hello to Jason Isaacs. Hello to Jason Isaacs because Jason Isaacs stars as Captain Lorca. He is the captain of the Starship Discovery. I'm not um, sure that Tom is aware that this is coming, so I feel like when he... Oh, what a lovely surprise. It'll be like a nice surprise for him. Hi, Tom. Yeah, Star Trek's coming back. How fantastic. Um, this series will feature a new ship, new characters, new missions, while embracing the same ideology and hope for the future that inspired a generation. You can tell I got that as a quote from, I that, don't know, some I random PR that. just statement. That That's just the way I talk. Um, so... 
just I like I like Star Trek. I enjoy Star Trek. I am not a diehard. I haven't watched every single episode of the earlier um, series. Wes has watched them all. Um, I really enjoy dipping in and out of them, and the recent films have been great. So yeah, I, mean, I, I feel like it's going to have a really cool vibe. Yeah, I really like the the films, the kind of reboot. Um, of the episodes that Tom, is, I've kind of watched with Tom when he's been watching them on, I think they're on Netflix, aren't they? Yeah. Um, I've enjoyed them. I think that his dream would be like that we just sit and watch all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I have enough time to dedicate to that, but I do, ones I've seen. I've I've got far too many other things to watch. Yeah, I mean, I've really enjoyed it, and I think it's nice that they're kind of bringing back the series as well, rather than just having the film. I'm definitely going to tune into that. um, Um, And the other thing that um, was sort of announced recently, which is in the really early stages, so there's no cast confirmed or anything like that, but I'm, I'm really quite excited, is that Dracula is getting the Sherlock treatment. Is it? Yeah. So I didn't know this. Stephen Moffat. Oh, okay. And Mark Gattis. Yep. Who did Sherlock? Yep. Are gonna come together and do Dracula for the BBC or just elsewhere. I don't know actually. That's really interesting. I didn't yep. know that. I hope it's good. There's, that's literally all we know now. So okay. we don't know any cast. We don't know any stories. We don't know whether it will be Ooh. set like in like you know in in the 19th century whether it'll be set like now who knows but i really enjoyed sherlock i really always enjoyed sherlock so i'm really excited for this i didn't watch sherlock for ages Mm -hmm. like just couldn't be bothered with it when it was on the bbc i'm very bad for watching series on on actual Mm. television and Um, there's so much great stuff on bbc yeah i'm always surprised so uh, i mean tom and i like once i think when the sherlock's ended up going on netflix a yes. couple of years ago, we blitzed all of them within a really narrow time frame, and I really enjoyed them. So this they're great. Could be really interesting. I'm I'm really excited. Um, Dracula got a bit of a TV reboot a few years ago with um, is it Jonathan Rhys Meyers? Oh yeah, um, yeah, he did do that. They did he? like one season, which I quite enjoyed. Yeah. Actually, it was a bit campy. It was a bit. Whatever. I, like I I mean, for me, I mean, I also like love Vampire Diaries and love all kinds of. It wasn't really teen TV, but it was. It was just. It was great. You know, I love Penny Dreadful, all that kind of stuff, and it was fun. But it did get cancelled, so that was a bit of a bummer. Um, so hopefully, I think this has got the potential to be. With those people at the helm, really I think fun. it could be really. I good. think it'd be fun. Ooh, interesting. Especially with Stephen Moffat, I think it could be really yeah. fun. So I'm excited for that. That's that's not even in the near future. I'm sure that will be quite a though, while. That's but a nice little tidbit. What excellent of, um, news! Let's go forward. Um, I just want to mention it doesn't fall within any of our usual categories. Okay. Um, but I did just want to um, touch on the fact that I saw Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, oh the God, stage show, last weekend. So I can't believe that um, in our planning for this podcast. Yes, guys, we plan. You would I did know. plan a little bit. Yeah. Um, that we didn't even think... I didn't even think to include this. In the, what, theatre section? In the... In the... In the theater live theatre performance um, section. The floor is yours. Go. Um, I won't go on about it too much, but we saw... Yeah, I took uh, my younger brother to see Harry Potter and the Cursed Child uh, last week um, in London. Uh, it's it's hard to get hold of tickets. Um, it's so I've tried twice. And it's yeah, it was it was hard work. My brother's disabled; he's in a wheelchair, um, so I had to get accessibility tickets, mm-hmm. which are even harder to get because you can't purchase them online. You have to ring them. I rang them 150 times. The day that you did that was simultaneously the best and worst day because I liked the fact that you were doing it, but it was the fact that you had to call them that many times. I remember you being like, "I've tried." 
I phoned them 150 times and me being like, ha ha, you are joking. And you were like, no. no and the worst thing is it wasn't like I rang them and it was on hold. So I put the phone down again. You'd have to ring them. There'd be a 30 second voice message, which said like, you are now queuing for blah, 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 blah. Thank you for calling. For telephone, you know, it might take a while to get through to you, blah, blah, blah. 30 seconds. And then it would either hang up on you because you didn't get through or put you in a queue. And then it would either, after a while, either hang up on you or you'd get through. I got through once and it cut me off. Stressful. 150 times. So I bloody earned this. Um, as many people have kind of said, I think, already, it's really enjoyable. The, mm. the stage aspects of it are they're amazing. I mean, there were, there's actual magic involved as in like magical trick. I, I don't know how they did some of the stuff. It was amazing. It was wonderful. Um, it was really engrossing. The story is a bit naff. Um, it's tremendous. Did you read the book? No, I haven't read it. So, and I probably won't, to be honest. It's not, it's, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a, it's fine. It's an enjoyable story. I followed it. It was a bit naff. Um, it's it's pretty homoerotic, which was fun. Sure. Um, it yeah it had some interesting tidbits in it. Um, I think it was probably about an hour too long, and I was starting to feel this. Um, and then when I looked at my brother, I mean he was grey around the gills, so he was obviously getting very tired by the end. It's just ever. I mean it it you know as an, a whole afternoon, I saw it split in half, and I saw both parts with a kind of a break in the middle to go for dinner. It was a really nice afternoon out. Yeah. I think it was about an hour too long. Okay. There's an hour at the end where there is a lot of just sort of characters standing around talking at length for a while. Sure. And I was getting a bit bored. The pace before that was a lot faster. Yeah. So it had a really choppy f pace for like the three quarters of the thing. And it was so much fun. Yeah. Um, and it didn't really matter whether like some of the dialogue was a bit, you know, and the story was just a bit, I don't know, it was just neither here nor there, really. It was mm -hmm. just a bit naff. But, I mean, there was, you know, there was nothing wrong with it. It was just... But the actual, like, the stage setup and the costume and just the way it all interacted, it was just amazing. It's yeah. it's so good. It's definitely worth seeing. Um, my brother was like... I, he loved it, but he couldn't sit through it again, time-wise. It's, yeah, it's a it's very long time. I think it's good that you can do both on the same day because I think that... When it's entirely impractical to do two evenings. I don't know how you would do it. I mean, th this kind of splitting of things, there was um, not in any way related to Harry Potter, but at the National Theatre they were doing a, well, they are doing a um, production of Angels in America um, mm. starring Andrew Garfield. And that, you have there's like part one and part two. And you can do them back to back, as in like do them in the same day, or you can do them like you obviously go for the first part and then book again to go yeah. to the second part. I kind of, I get it if you've got something that's particularly long and you don't want to do like an abridged version, but it's so impractical. Do you think this is where theatre is going now? You know, the way that films, like having like a two hour plus long film used to be a thing of kind of, it was pretty rare and now it's kind of the norm. Do you think we're going to start getting like longer and longer theatre productions? I don't productions? know why you wouldn't just do it, but have a couple of intermissions. Yeah. You know? I, I don't think it actually needed to be as long as it was no, I think for this, in this case. I think, you know, it's interesting um, that theatre has the potential to be a little bit more long form than perhaps a movie would be. But, mm. I mean, nothing needs to be. No. Fun anecdote, though, that mm -hmm. I can't remember if Anne was mentioned this. Was this in the group to, to both of us? Um, so, uh, Hannah, mm -hmm. um, who is a mutual friend, um, went and saw... Harry Potter and the Cursed Child I think last this week maybe earlier mm. this week uh, and she was sat near Anthony Stewart head no really 
Yep. Oh my god. I don't think I could concentrate if I thought Giles. I was would in be front like, Giles. Lord. Talk to me about the Entertainment Weekly. I'd just be like fanning myself. Or? God, I'd absolutely lose it. I know, right? Holy shit. Anywho. Mm, well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Even if you didn't get to sit next to a member of Buffy. Um, yeah, that. I mean, now I feel like it's just like a massive cop a out. Yeah, I was totally I'm cheated. So it's 120 quid. Um, I get back. At least you didn't find out that you are actually a member of Slytherin <laughs> today. I'm I'm wearing a Gryffindor T-shirt. Um, do you know what? I'd happily swap. Would you? I feel like a bit like a bad girl in Slytherin. I do I mean, that. It's kind Green's of, more my colour anyway. So, so the reason I kind of, I mean, we'll get to this. The reason I did this is because I was um, reading some Harry Potter bits today. And uh, it's the Harry Potter 20 anniversary on Monday. So is it 20? It's, it's 20 years since oh Flosser Scone. Scone. Brilliant. <laughs> I, I really that. love scones, love so don't it's worry. It's 20 years since the Philosopher's Stone was released, um, was per- first published. Is Philosopher's Stone like Pride and Prejudice and Zombies? Yeah, it is. True. <laughs> first book, Harry Potter series, was published 20 years ago on Monday. And I realised that I hadn't done the sorting on Pottermore. I think I did that ages ago, but I tried to log into my account and it wiped me. So I'm assuming... Some mishap happened. Anyway, I had to... Didn't read. interact enough. I obviously... I think that's... They think they kick you off. Anyway, yeah. I redid it, and I was sorted into Slytherin. I... I feel so cheated. Oh, I don't know. I think I'd swap. I haven't done it, actually. I'm going to go and see. I'll see. Can you do it? Yeah, I'll join you in Slytherin. I'd love to be in Slytherin. You can... That's where all the, the cool people are. Well, this is what Ashley told me earlier when I was whinging about the fact that I'd been sorted into Albus Slytherin. Potter. Yeah. Albert Severus Potter is in there. I know. I just feel a bit shit about it. I've always been Gryffindor in my heart, so to actually realise I'm a snake is um a bit much. But who knows? Slither around with Taylor Swift. I might embrace it as my new like personal brand. Yeah. Just be a bit of a dick and be like, I'm Slytherin, that's what I do. So episode five, we have decided, uh, after a pretty not a heavy conversation on Twin Peaks last week, but Peaks you know, it's, it's more of a challenging conversation to talk about David Lynch and Twin Peaks. Um, it's a bit lighter this time. Um, we've decided to talk about fan fiction. Yes, we have. Um, fiction written by fans. Um, I have to just say as a disclaimer, neither, well, certainly we myself. Yeah, we don't own these characters. We don't own these stories. Um, we... I, I do not claim to be an expert on fan fiction at me, all. Me we're not experts. We're not. We've had to do a bit of digging because we're not experts. And some so this is like uh, like the dummies guide to fan fiction uh, by dummies. So I just thought, you know, we've we've discussed it between us before. Um, we've both, you know, experienced and enjoyed fan fiction in the past yep. um, and and in the present. Um, we thought it would be fun to discuss, um, and yeah, if there's anything we get wrong, I'm sorry. If there are things we don't know about, then I'm also sorry. We're, you know, we're, it's, it's a bit of a deep dive for us as well, so please, just sort of enjoy um, the ride. Please very much point out if we get anything wrong. Um, I do, I'm definitely not an expert. This is like entry level. I mean, yeah. I, I enjoy reading it, and I'm I, the kind of whole concept of fanfic and fandoms intrigues me so so much so much but also the depth and breadth of fan fiction and fandom in general is so vast and wonderful that i we could not claim to teach need, like, any kind of hours. course what in we'll it. Do, i mean there's quite i mean it'll be the same for you i'm absolutely sure but there are kind of a couple of things articles wise um websites and things that i definitely think that you'll need to check out um after this and we'll make sure we link to them mm-hmm. there's um, the fansplaining podcast. Fansplaining's just great. Immediately shout out 
the beginning that's a great podcast to listen to if you're into kind of mm-hmm. fandom fanfic everything like that so um but there's a whole bunch of articles from various different places all around the yeah, internet I that we'll... i've definitely looked at today yeah um in prepping for this so, so we'll, we'll mention them as we sure go we along shout those mm. out and also we'll link to them as much as we can as yeah well. um and another disclaimer, we're, I mean, some of this is really funny. Reading some of the stuff I read um, this week has, I mean, it's brought me so much joy on many different levels. Mm. Um, some just genuine, just love and joy. Some of it is just absolutely hilarious, as you would expect. Um, we're not dissing fan fiction in any oh, way, no, shape or time. Everything we are I, here for the fan fiction, 100%. Everything I've, I mean, I've, there's a couple of things in particular where I've got uh, some quotes and stuff that I will read to you. Um I'm reading some of them are pretty funny I'm not laughing at them I just think that like it's just there's a couple I'm laughing at but I think we're all laughing yeah, at them I mean, so that's fine the, I mean I, I mean a thing that I will say off the bat is that actually for a lot of them the kind of the caliber of writing and just the interesting kind of story arcs and direction in which the writing took I was really impressed by mm. so that you know we're definitely not being like awful trolls or anything like that no because this is in defense of and celebration of fan yeah, fiction 100% um I thought I'd start um, with a little bit about the origins of fan fiction. Again, I'm not about to write a book on this stuff, so if anyone knows of any articles or sort of online resources that go into this a bit more, please like link us and let yeah, us know, sure. because it'd be Flat great it. to share them around. Um, but for those who don't really know at all, and I've never looked into this before, fan fiction, um, abbreviated to fanfic, fanfic, fic, um, fanfic with spaces between, all kinds of bits and pieces. Um, I guess you could generally describe it as fiction about characters or settings from an original work of fiction that's created by fans Mm -hmm. of that work not by the original creator Mm -hmm. um lots of people believe fan fiction should be free um there are all kinds of disputes around intellectual property that's um when it comes to yeah when it comes to the original work and writing fiction um that is based in i guess the same universe as that work um so a lot of people widely regard it as it, it should be free in order to be fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, Vox did uh, a recent survey on uh, what definitions of fan fiction um, based on kind of like a poll survey, I I, I which is I really interesting. One, yeah. So I would recommend going to look at that to see kind of generally what people regard as fan fiction and not fan fiction. Um, fan fiction, I get arguably you could take it back in some way, some form, all the way back to kind of the oral, the days of oral storytelling and folklore. So arguably, um, you know, telling stories around a campfire, passing them on, mm-hmm. tweaking bits you like and dislike, it could be a fan of, you know, a type of fan fiction. Yeah, of course. Um, people have referred to lots of um, very famous established works of literature as a kind of fan fiction. Uh, the Enid by Virgil, uh, takes from the Iliad mm-hmm. uh Shakespeare a lot of Shakespeare was based on myth and legend yep. um things like Sherlock Holmes uh was published as uh, in as periodicals in the 19th century um and there's a really good uh, article on the Mary Sue called none of this is new an oral history of fan fiction mm-hmm. by Jordan West um and in that they talk about how um readers of Sherlock Holmes when it was published as it was published in sections sort of week by week would often write to the author and to each other with questions, encouragements, speculations. When Doyle killed off the character, it was pr- pressure from his readers that caused him to bring Holmes back to life. 
So, you know, even back then, people were always discussing what was happening. It's interesting you say that because when I was looking at kind of uh, fic and fandoms in general, Mm. Sherlock Holmes was one of the first fandoms. Yeah, if you look back things, you know, historically, um, Sherlock Holmes, yeah, is, is. was heralded as being like the first fandom as mm. it were for that mm. for that exact reason absolutely so. yeah um for me i really enjoyed uh gene reese's wide sargasso sea um yeah. which is i i see it's not a sequel to jane Eyre, but it's based on jane Eyre, um arguably fan fiction yep. um and along with uh, Sherlock Holmes, as an example, Star Trek, the original series, is often looked at as the origin of Madame Fandom yep. and the origin of a lot of fan fiction. Um, fan fiction really came into itself uh, with the internet. Mm-hmm. I mean, and for me personally, that's where you yeah, know I learned about fan fiction, came yeah, across fan fiction. Um, Harry Potter and anime really yeah. enhanced this. Um, famous examples of fan fiction. I mean, most people, I think most people who don't read fan fiction or aren't that um, don't know about it that well um, w- would know about or would assume all fan fiction is like Fifty Shades of Grey yeah. which is Twilight fan fiction started, so E.L. James wrote um, Twilight fan fiction and then um, I think she I think Fifty Shades of Grey was self-published originally mm. so I think she tweaked it and changed the names of characters um, and then it was self-published um, I remember reading about the controversy around that about how it kind of like goes against the unwritten rules of, of again the yeah so there's all kinds of debate whether this is and isn't fan fiction mm-hmm. but lots of people will regard 50 shades as um well, it's set an in, example yeah, yeah i mean it's set in seattle and pacific northwest which yeah. is like yeah an ode an ode to twilight um you've got the mortal instruments by cassandra clare which was formerly harry potter fanfic was it yes it was oh, I didn't know that. um it yeah really uh and then Anna Todd's After, which is Harry Potter fanfic yeah. on the Wattpad. No, I have not. I've heard it's bloody awful. Oh, okay, I read it. Um, how how was that for you? Um, I I think I read it after I read that she had. Um, I can't remember. Which is it very long? Is it quite long? It's like ninety four chapters. Holy moly! It's an actual. Um, Did you read it all? Yeah, but it's not the chapters are like. I mean, a lot yeah. of fic. The chapters are particularly short, really long. Right. So yeah. I mean, it's not like it's a long thing. Um, I know that when we talked about fanfic with Vaughn, who we should immediately give a shout out. Vaughn um, is the beacon of like all fan fiction of our knowledge. Kind of thick chat this week. Um, it's, I think she's at Andy Girl on Twitter. If anyone wants yeah, to we'll check her out, to, to Von. Um, yeah, I mean, I remember talking about it with her. It's an interesting thick. I mean, I don't, I didn't really enjoy it. It was, it was one of those things I read because I read that she'd sold the rights to it to a publishing. She house. got a bloody six-figure deal for it, yeah, didn't she? Um, My God. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's an interesting read. Yeah controversial that's another uh example that people might know quite well um even things i mean i don't think i would regard this as but some people have even said pride and prejudice and zombies is you know a type of fan fiction so there are all of these kind of things that yeah alternate universe fiction um so they're just a few examples um of present day fan fiction that people are aware of there are so many different types of fanfic. I think this could probably go on forever, but I think you were going to take us through. Yeah. So a few when examples. I was doing like some kind of research into um, just definitions of fanfic and the different types of fic that exist, I mean, it was I think I'm going to learn a bit here. As yeah. Well. I mean, it was interesting talking to you about it because 
um, when we were kind of comparing, contrasting different things we'd read or different things we had read before in the past. I mean, it's, it's important to say that it's incredibly vast in terms of the kind of types of it. It's um, limitless, really, isn't it? It's I literally mean... limitless. I mean, there was a, an, an article that was um, by Fansplaining. It was called um, Five Tropes Fanfic Readers Love from October 2016. Um, it was a survey they did of um, 7,500 fic readers. Um, and it kind of was a survey asking people to respond uh, to various different questions. Um, so um, most fic readers tend to read on archive of our own. Um, yeah. AO3 itself has um, uh, 24,970 different fandoms listed. That's just fandoms? That's just different fandoms. Holy so if you go onto AO3 um, and then you kind of look through the archives, that's how many different You have the list of, yeah, yeah, the different types of... That's insane. That that's, I thought um, you were going to say that's how many stories they've got. No, I mean, that's probably like a way, millions way more and than millions. that. Uh, most people, rep most readers respond to male and male pairings. Mm -hmm. uh, most popular trope is friends to lovers followed by canon divergent alternate universe, which mm -hmm. we'll come on to in a second. Um, top tones are kind of fluff, which is day-to-day. Kind of love fluff, fluff. yes yeah you've got to place it in the day-to-day -day. that's what makes yeah. it so i don't know it's, it's just, just readable relatable. it makes it yeah relatable it it becomes yeah it, it's that fiction and reality blend yeah, isn't absolutely it? Um, followed by angst which is kind of more dramatic and emotional again Steve. feel that way constantly and then the third was um pwp which is plot what plot which is basically what's porn that porn oh plot. it's like plot what plot plot without plot it's basically deep just deep diving into like full-blown <laughs> So, there you go. Uh, um, I used to dabble in that a lot as a teenager. So. We'll come back to this. Um, narrative conflict tends to be like key within the story. So, you know, lovers being kept apart or people being forced together. Um, you mentioned the kind of intertextuality mm. of fic, which is kind of whether it's based on an original source or not. There was an interesting debate whether fic technically has to refer to a fictional source or whether it has to include real people. Okay. So one thing. Oh, interesting. That, yeah. So when I so the different types. So we've got you know the fandoms um, and the AU. So fandom is the name for anything to do with a particular show, book, band, movie, whatever. If it exists, it can have a fandom. Of course. So, I'm the know, Orange Squash fandom. You're so. the Orange Squash fandom. Um, I don't know my fan. I've got so many fandoms, but fandoms are vast. Alternate universe, um, which is sort of AU, is the occurrence of canonical facts about the setting or a characterization of a particular fictional universe being explored in a non-canonical way. Um, I just about kept up with that. Yeah. I'm. Yeah, I've eaten a lot of juicy worms today yeah, from. So basically, um, alternate universe is kind of like looking at stuff that's canonical. 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 Right? Yes. Um, but kind of imagining what might happen next. So whether it's like beyond the end of the story or mm -hmm. what might happen if X, Y, Z happened instead. Okay, it happened instead. Yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. So like for example, if we think about um Hogwarts um and then we think about maybe like I don't know, Dumbledore not dying. Dying. That was a huge spoiler for anyone that's not read, read Harry Potter. Oh my god. Oh my god. Um, but that kind of thing, or like different pairs. Well, like what happened after Hogwarts post yeah, J.K. So a Rowling's lot of things books. that I came up to actually is kind of, yeah, imagining what happened beyond the end of a story. Yeah. What would happen if this event didn't happen? Mm. And which direction would the narrative go sure. in, if that makes sense? Um, and then you also have real person fic, which is one of my personal Oh, favorites. it's my favourite too. You can imagine yourself oh. in it. Real person. Oh. So when I was looking at the different types of fic and, and this idea that it has to be rooted in a fictional kind of basis i um, think i automatically don't like that oh it's interesting because I, I when i was thinking about like my original introduction to fic i think that my intro was was real person 
because I liked reading like stories about like real people, real people, people in bands. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, do you mean like rather than fictional characters? Yeah. Yeah. I, I like both. They I like both. Have, yeah. but I think my intro had probably yours been, had been, okay. That's interesting. Like that. So, um, is it because we're obsessive about real people? Yeah, possibly. Yeah. So it, well, this is a kind of uh, one definition I read. Um, is in general, the authors seem to adopt the public personas of the celebrities in question as their own characters, building a fictional universe based on the supposed real-life histories of their idols. Information from interviews, documentaries, music videos and other publicity sources are assimilated into the stories. Um, it's also very popular to write fiction about celebrity couple yeah. imagines. Um, and that's something I came across a lot during my research period was kind of like fix that are about real people, but particular pairings that aren't true to life. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so those are the kind of um, initial kind of um, main things I think that are worth flagging when it comes to type of fix. I mean, as we said, it's so incredibly vast and there are different types. I mean, I'll link to the fanspaining article that did a couple of surveys, actually, where they were kind of asking people about their experiences of fic. Um, but those are the way, you know, the main sort of three. So real people, the fandoms, so things that are rooted in mm. fandom and sort of the alternate youth universe of those fandoms. I mean, I think it would be really interesting to have a brief discussion about our experiences of fanfic mm -hmm. and sort of our origin, our own origin story. The origin story of Stephanie's yeah, I mean, fanfic like, adventures. So where did you first come into it? Be honest, this is the real... I was really... Um, how old would I have been? Probably about 14. Okay. And as I have already mentioned in this podcast, I was very into Good Charlotte. Oh so that sure. was a pretty big deal for me. Yeah. Borderline. I say borderline. I was f absolutely, completely, fully obsessed with Good Charlotte in a way that's so unhealthy and that Ashley constantly tells people about. And it's so embarrassing. Um, I Good Charlotte fan fiction. Um, there was a lot of it. A lot of it was uh, twin orientated. There was a lot of twin cest. Sure. Um, lots of stories about Benji and Joel uh, engaging in things that twins do not do. Okay. Um, and I read a lot of that. Okay. <laughs> I read a lot of twin cest. Sure. Um, so Good Charlotte and Buffy were my oh, okay. two um, earliest, I guess, I say earliest memories, but th that's how I got Your into. Intro to yeah, and it was and it was very much internet orientated. It was using MSN and um, talking to people and finding uh, fan fiction sites at the time. Uh, and those were the two. It's interesting to think about the role of the. Internet. I'm so embarrassed thinking about because when, when I was looking at the the history of fic in general, it's interesting to kind of think about the role that the the, mm. the explosion of the internet. Um, had I mean my my personal intro I mean live journal was a huge thing oh me. god yeah and greatest I, journal yeah was I, mine I wrote a lot on live journal um and joining various communities on live journal yeah and finding, that had a huge yeah yeah finding different people that I kind of was friends with who then actually wrote thick that was a huge thing I mean I this is this is like so funny to actually think about when I was um so when we first got our one of our first, oh, maybe our first computer actually. Mm. I remember. Um, I used to write. I don't know if you ever wrote when you were a kid. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I used to. I mean, it's interesting when you think about the fact that like fanfic itself is kind of just um, all fiction essentially is fanfiction and mm. it borrows from everything. Mm. Else. So you could, mm. that's definitely an argument that you could make. I think. Yeah. I remember writing stories when I was a kid about like characters from TV shows. This has just reminded me. This a is a total. Side, well it's not a sidebar but related when we were just talking about fan fiction when I was younger as in like 
primary school age and we made like books mm -hmm. like out of you know like a4 pieces of paper yeah. that you staple in the middle i for some reason had an obsession with the water babies oh and God, i wrote sure. loads of books yeah. about the water babies yeah. but like continuing Con stories continuing alternative universe That's stories about water do. babies yeah. yeah i didn't do about the water babies i did it about tv shows i used to watch um so i remember did you ever watch the renford rejects yes i used to write did you i remember, I remember writing stories about like being because i when i was a kid i really liked football and playing football and as a girl at the time it was kind of like a bit of a, a not a niche thing but you know like it's mostly boys i was friends yeah. with a lot of like really kind of girls that didn't like that and i remember writing stories about renford rejects and being on their team because they had a girl on the team and that was kind of like a cool thing and i was like oh I remember, and i remember writing stories about when we first got our first computer i remember writing oh. and at the time just thought nothing of it just thought it was like a nice we've got this computer and the mm -hmm. only thing i can do on it is like we didn't even have the internet so it was like word processing yeah and i just used to write like oh you know i was hanging out with Redford rejects and we had to play football and oh my god bruno was there and you know but when you think about <laughs> it now you're like oh that was complete fic that's just fic I'm it is fic. Yeah. yeah so yeah so that's a, a kind of the introduction of my computer mm. and the live journal um one thing i will just flag because i think that this this pretty much sets the tone for me as a human being brilliant going outwards when i wrote my gcse english coursework okay we're getting a bit older then yeah. what's that 15 15 16 go on um uh i've written at length about the my deep deep relationship with the film donnie darko um, oh, do you know what? i was looking at some donnie darko fit last night me too um so i had a deep deep investment in the film donnie darko it was such a niche underground classic no you used to hmm still do now um at the time no one in my school had seen it watched it because it didn't really get a big release here it was a kind of underground classic <gasps> you were like the cool kid with the 100 yeah, percent, yeah brilliant. and i my so some coursework i wrote for my gcse english was called cellar door and it basically was oh my god he i don't think the character was called donny but everything that happens in donny darko pretty Holy much shit. to a point happened in my gcse creative writing yeah so i mean that that explains so much oh so my god not only did i was i reading <laughs> live journal fic i also mm. apparently decided to submit some from a thinly veiled donnie darko fanfic as my gcse coursework i was really annoyed that i hadn't been home to my parents between um the last time we recorded and now actually because i was trying to i probably got it saved on like a floppy disk or a cd rom yeah. somewhere at my parents house maybe i'll try and find <gasps> let's it. find some floppy disks and have a look yeah i think i probably saved some of my favorite fix that i found online i definitely by, probably on had floppy disk so yeah i mean real so yeah i mean that's because it's only dark i guess it's it's proper fic because it's fiction mm -hmm. but yeah real person in i mean like you said i used to read a lot of stuff about people in bands i think i remember reading like thursday fan fiction did you read a lot of like erotic fan fiction yeah, yeah i read so much that was almost exclusively what i read yeah. maybe it's like a hormone thing i think it's a hormone thing i mean i I think one of the things that Fit gets a bad rep for in particular is that it's just smart. It's not yeah. just smart, but a lot of what I was reading at that age was probably just smart. But it's probably because it's written by like horny teenage girls. So, brilliant. There you go. Um, on that topic, actually, of uh, kind of assumptions and uh, criticisms of um, fan fiction, uh, there. I mean, there were there were quite. I think. There are, you know, there are a few um, stereotypes. It is, yeah. it is. It's controversial. Um, this is 
this is not an exhaustive list, but um, I was just thinking about some of the reasons why people mm -hmm. are look down on fan fiction or are critical of it. It's a much maligned um, thing, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, unfairly. Um, I guess from a, 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 from the kind of originator's point of view, from writer's point of view, from author's point of view, people who have originated the stories, um, they uh, often people are think that fanfic is intended to rewrite replace mm -hmm. the original work so well, a lot of authors get a bit snotty about they it. do because yeah. they assume that what you're doing is the fact is that you don't like the story that they've told and you are rewriting it to better suit your interests yeah, so and they often you know regard it as stealing so mm -hmm. george rr R. martin of game of thrones game fame, of thrones fame yeah. um views it very much as stealing. Um, he says, my characters are my children. I don't want people making off with them. Thank you. Making off, that's a very weird term. I mean... I mean, for someone who can't actually finish his book... Exactly. I was like, well, that's... You know, they're going to have to write something because you I won't mean, fucking finish it. I don't want to be rude, George, but technically, if you're going to be technical about this, the TV show is basically fanfic now because you haven't finished the books and they're ahead of you, right? And they're... Get, yeah, they're ahead. Sure. Um, yeah, people seem to think it's intended to rewrite or replace the original work. Um, fantasy author Robin Hobb um, said, every fan fiction I've read to date had focused on changing the writer's careful work to suit the foible of the fan writer. Romances are invented, gender identities changed, fetishes indulged, and endings are altered. That's not flattering, that's insulting. Uh, I'm probably not... I gonna just think that um, deep dive into that too much because I mean, imagine being annoyed that gender identities have been changed. I just feel like a lot of, I mean, I I don't I don't see it as being a negative thing. I always think that fit comes from a positive. Is it place not hugely it's, flattering? It's hugely, I mean, I think of it as being massively flattering. I it massively is. think. Imagine, you know, a writer kind of likes your work enough that they want to kind of continue it because mm. you haven't for whatever reason. Yeah. So I mean, I, you know, you I know. think it's an interesting conversation mm. to have, but I mean, I, I don't. It always slightly baffles me when people get snarky about it because I think, well, it's just drawing attention to your work, and if mm. anyone's going to kind of well, I mean, exactly, I and I don't, it's not about. I don't think anyone's it. about to threaten George R. R. Martin's empire, no, are they? So. Um, again, um, there's a really good article on Vox ran a series. This was pointed out to me by Vaughn actually. Vox ran a series on fandom, um, which has a few articles on fan fiction, mm -hmm. um, and there's an article on there called why we're terrified of fan fiction by constance grady which is really great um and it does explore quite a few of these um assumptions um a few others are that um fan fiction is immature and badly written sure um and again just some of the examples i think we've pulled out between us um prove that that's not true mm -hmm. um there is a huge assumption um that it's all slash and that it's slash written by straight teenage girls. So slash, um, as April sort of mentioned, are relationships between characters of the same sex. Um, why, while um, fanfic is written by a large, um, I, I don't know whether you'd say majority, but there are a lot of women yeah, writers. Yeah, I mean, in that, um, in the fansplaining article, it does mention that the majority of, of fic writers do tend to be female or female identifying mm. Mm. Um, so, um, but I mean, again again um you know it yeah the assumption that it's all just like really badly written slash fiction well, by straight white teenage girls is incorrect it's because it's also that yeah it just needs to stop being 
um, perpetuated. I mean, BuzzFeed did a really interesting series last year um, about uh, fanfic and fandoms in general, which I'll, I'll link to as well as mm. the box one. And they talked about kind of diversity in, in fanfic there mm. and actually how it does exist, despite the yeah. kind of stereotype of yeah. it being kind of a... Well, I would assume, I mean, I'd assume from what I've seen and read that behind women, um, LGBT and ethnic minorities are huge um, sort of consumers of fanfic. So it's not all written by straight white teen girls who don't know how to string two words together. Mm. Um, Other um, assumptions are that uh, fandom, I think generally, uh, and especially people who write fanfic are unable to separate fiction from reality. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a really good example that I wasn't aware of um, that Scotland Yard drew up a dossier um, many years ago on Star Trek and X-Files fans because they were concerned um, that um, that group members of fandom, uh, Star Trek and X-Files fans, were unable to distinguish fiction from reality and may be likely to commit um, crime, particularly murder, that's as a hilarious. result. Um, so that's um, another weird... I don't know why you'd sure. assume that, weird assumption. Um, and uh, building on this idea of um, fanfic mostly being slash, um, this Fox article by Constance uh, talks about how, because it is fa- slash, it mm. is therefore morally wrong and weird. Um, and I thought it was interesting how she, um, her article kind of knits together all of these ideas and all of these arguments um, to become a narrative mainly about women being passionate and how that is therefore weird, fearful, yeah, and morally I mean, wrong. That that was going to be one of my um, kind of points to, to say after that. I mean, I, I, it is interesting that the criticism that gets thrown at fic writers and readers as well actually mm-hmm. often seems to be a criticism of a being really passionate and caring about something and b that it's often obviously not exclusively but it's often not women in particular being yeah. passionate and caring so it's about women something. caring about something passionately and that therefore um makes them immature a bit weird in the head or yet yeah, a bit like i do think that if the community was made up by largely men that this kind of perpetual um or perpetuating sorry it's of stereotypes mm. and criticism based on those stereotypes just wouldn't exist mm. because it just would be like exactly a, you know well constance in this article constance i pulled out this quote because i thought it was really good um she says there's something specific about media fandom and to devoting large amounts of emotional energy to media in particular mm-hmm. that is particularly threatening adult men crying and engaging in acts of physical violence over sports is expected People crying over a TV show is weird. Women writing stories where Kirk and Spock are more than just friends is not only weird, but it's disgusting and dangerous too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, that would be my 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 immediate re- point of reference. I think would be the fact that like men can be enthusiastic about pretty much anything, like anything, but in particular sports and sports teams mm. and athletes. But the the minute you kind of put a woman in that, you know, similarly obsessed point of view then she gets branded as you know Hmm. just a bit of a psycho it's like it doesn't fit the system of what we are you know absolutely in reality in the real world our system is very patriarchal and it doesn't fit in with that um and you know we're not i haven't even mentioned the fact that there are i'm sure there are many many male oh yeah writers of fic yeah yeah, um but this isn't you know i think for the majority or for people who aren't involved in this kind of thing that's just not even 
it's not even a thing it's not even a consideration is it i mean i um when i was looking at kind of like why thick is is considered to be important um there are a whole bunch of kind of uh interesting articles in 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 defense i mean i hate that you even have to be in defense of it but in particular god i hate defending things i love right and there was an article um on bustle which said the majority of fic writers are writers of their own accord Mm -hmm. um, and fan fiction is usually and most often a gateway or an assistance in crafting other types of writing absolutely which i think is true you know like i mean not all writers can be writing on one particular thing at all times so if their output is pushed elsewhere you know for thick and things like that then mm. it's, it's all going to be hon- it's all honing your craft isn't mm. it so i thought that was really interesting um they also said that thick itself is an extension of an existing canon which allows writers and readers the ability to speculate beyond beyond the original text well we mentioned mm. that this idea of the alternate universe mm. and actually you know why shouldn't you be able to... I mean, I, when I watch films sometimes that have, like, an abrupt ending mm. or, like, have an ending that's not perhaps, you know, to, to my liking, I often think about, like, oh, I wonder what... I mean, I, I used to think quite a lot about various teen movies. And actually, um, when we get to kind of sharing some different fic, there are some mm. sort of teen movie-oriented ones. But, when, you know, you think about, like, well, what would happen in 10 years' time? Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, I'm going to put it out there. Cursed Child. Yeah. It's kind of, like imagining what happens of course it is you know i mean that's just kind of worth throwing out there i find it um sorry just interject i find it i find it disappointing actually that some of the examples i've cited like george r r martin um are 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 writers you know they write books they write novels they're fiction writers i find that i find it really disappointing um for them to then you know writing is very much about and in my in my job I work in a literature organisation I come across lots of writers who very much um, live by the rule that you know there's their intention for whatever they're writing and then there's the readers well, reading yeah, of the, it yeah, and what... they are like ninety nine point nine of the people I come across in the industry are very accepting of that and they're happy with that and they want people to take you know from their writing what they want so how is that any different yeah i mean it's interesting to think about you know what as a writer you may have one intention for Mm. your book and you may have. but that's not the only intention that should never be the only intention you you know there's this kind of conflict between author interpretation and then reader interpretation Mm. i mean when i i mean we both have a background in uh, we both did literature degrees Mm. and i often remember when i would read particular books that have been assigned to whatever my syllabus was at the time you would you'd have conversations in seminars and and about those particular works whether they were short stories Mm. or actual books you'd you know novels you'd read Mm. and the interpretation of those could be wild different yeah. between person to person based on you know um personal background familiarity of a of a particular trope mm. or something like that so yeah I yeah mean, it's it's interesting to think that i mean an, another thing as well on, on that kind of you know what the writer's intention um is um one of the kind of types of fic in particular is this idea of like author insert yeah so you know when you're writing a story and one of the the characters is kind of you know the mary sue kind of a thinly yeah. veiled yeah. um representation of the of the reader i mean you do get more in modern fic now this kind of you know particular character and you and it'll be like your name and yeah. You know, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. It's clean, reader it's like slash yeah, reader. clean insertion but um you know writers a lot of their writing comes from writers do that all the time it's an autobiographical place mm. and you know no one 
no one criticizes that. I mean, like, you know, uh, Philip Roth, for example, mm -hmm. or a lot of, you know, or Woody Allen, for yeah. example, on the film front, he's someone that, you know, always inserts, there's always a kind of bumbling Jewish mm -hmm. kind of character, which is like a really obvious Woody Allen mm -hmm. in his own films, but no one, you know. Anthony Horowitz is about to release a new book um, about a... Uh, I can't remember this entirely, but it's about like a detective that enlists the help of a famous crime writer called Anthony Horowitz. In, I mean, yeah, and no one. How is that any different? That. I just find that's kind of. I can understand argument. I can understand financial arguments over intellectual property to an, you know, to an extent. I understand how shit it must be for someone to quite literally rip your work off and make money from it. But that is entirely different to what yeah. I think the majority of fanfic is about. Yeah, of course. I think. I mean, it's just, it's just sort of an extension of it. Yeah. You know, like it just goes beyond. Um. Another thing as well is that fiction can be a way of letting out your frustrations or annoyances at the fandom creators, for example, mm -hmm. writers and showrunners. You do see that a lot in different fic of kind of, you know, uh, particular readers or watchers might not be happy with the way that events play out. Mm. So this kind of idea of the alternate universe is like an yeah. avenue by which you can kind of say, well, like, well, this is what actually happened in mm. whatever, mm. you know, the, the fandom origin, you know, original source. Mm. But this is what I actually either wish had happened or had um, should have happened. So and, that, and it's interesting to think about that in terms of the way that kind of different characters are paired off mm -hmm. um, within different fandoms. Mm. So there was a really, a, again, constant Grady in this uh, in her Vox articles, um, gave a specific example about watching Buffy mm -hmm. as a kid yeah. and being completely distraught when Angel was sent to hell. Yeah. And she said that she read like a shed load of fic after that, even though she knew that Angel would probably come back. Mm -hmm. She was just like absolutely heartbroken. Yeah. And in order to mend that heartbreak for the time being, she read loads of fic about Buffy and Angel where like Angel wasn't sent to hell or where he, like, never came back. Buffy spent the rest of her life, like, crying over him and complete, you know, heartbreak. Um, she read fic where everyone was human and going to high school, working in a coffee shop. She read all these different versions that kind of saw her through. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and just healed that heartbreak, yeah, actually. Yeah, I, I kind of like the alternate universe stuff in that regard, actually, because it's kind of, obviously, it's so rooted in stuff that's canonical, but then it takes it, takes it in a, a different... Mm direction i mean i remember um on the buffy uh theme i remember when oz left mm -hmm. and i was a huge oz fan oh yeah oz being is absolutely distraught and then the i remember one. afterwards reading a couple of fics that were about like oh well what would have happened if oz had actually just stayed mm. you know so that's i mean we kind of you mentioned um the way that fic is often attributed and as being having importance to women in particular. Mm -hmm. um, I read a really interesting article called The Importance of Fan Fiction for Queer Youth by Jane Hugh, oh, cool. which was um, written for a website called The Establishment. And in it, she talks about, obviously, the way that fic in particular has a, a kind of interesting position within the LGBT um, Q community. Mm. Um, I've just got a few quotes here that I thought were really, really interesting in talking about kind of the wider fic communities, particularly yeah. from a, it being a, like an online space mm. in which people can kind of share. It's a safe space it's a safe as well. Space for a lot of people, isn't it? So um, she says, uh, fanfic communities are often a safe place for young queer writers to begin navigating their identity. Sometimes the online space is the only place they can be out. They are still mm. negotiating what they want to be called, like what their pronouns are, and coming out as trans online, for example, allows them to explore that identity. 
Um, fiction allows writers the space to simulate aspects of their own lives, to think through fraught issues, and to even try on different scenarios that could, um, sorry, that could comprise their future. It's a modern-day take on an ancient and essential impulse imaginative play, which I thought was incredibly mm. interesting. Um, she goes on to say, for, for writers, fan fiction allows for a low-risk way to experiment with characters, scenarios, and dialogue. Some writers even place themselves directly into stories, so that's the author and Sarah we mm. spoke about, imagining what they would do if they met their favourite characters and were confronted with solving problems from their universe. This type of exercise can be uh, both socially and psychologically beneficial for writers. While there haven't been studies directly addressing the link between fanfic and these social skills, there's no reason to believe that reading and writing in fanfic communities would be any different from, from reading other forms of fiction. Yeah. Research on reading fiction finds that readers may have increased empathy in addition to theory of mind, which is described as the ability to account for others' thoughts and beliefs. And in this article, she heavily cites the importance of online spaces and communities more generally um you know for people that um just for people who need it but in particular for um kind of you know young people who define themselves or identify sorry as being kind of queer or within the lgbtq um community which i thought was mm. really really interesting this kind of idea of being able to play around with identity and mm. you know it's a confidence thing a lot of the time i think as well because if you're yeah. someone that likes writing but doesn't necessarily have the confidence to share it um either under your own name mm. or um with those around you or just because you know it's thick and you know that people might perhaps just be a bit kind of critical of it given you know what it's about or anything like that this online community and safe spaces i think are really really important so um that was kind of just worth flagging uh so shall we um share some thick i think we should yeah. um do you want to begin or shall i you go first okay so, you go first um i'm going in hard with go this on. i'm gonna go and start with potentially my favorite fic in the entire world um it's a harry potter fic yes it's um it's my immortal oh, of course the classic the so early this, um, this is this is um my immortal written by tara gillespie um i think from maybe 2006 the origin date is unknown oh maybe it w maybe it was written the same time as the bible maybe origin the origin of the <laughs> fic itself it's been deleted several times and re-uploaded by various different people so you were saying about how there's this kind of interesting trajectory in terms of looking back to origins of what mm. constitutes fanfic this oral history um my immortal in particular if you are unfamiliar with it is often classed as um quote-unquote the worst fan fiction ever yeah it holds a dear place in my heart because of the ludicrousness of it and also because it brings in so many other pop culture references which i absolutely adore and you were talking um about your first experiences of fic and it being good charlotte related mm. being related to real people and bands oh, yes. and everything well there's a clear thread um running through my mortal um just to get, I mean, it's difficult to give you a rough plot outline of this fic in particular. It's fairly impossible to read in many respects. It's fairly impossible to read because of how it's formatted and just, it's, you, I mean, it has to be seen to be believed. I will link to it 100% because everyone needs to see this. So the rough synopsis, which I could come up with, is that um, <laughs> it's a Harry Potter story yep. about an American um, student who comes to Hogwarts called Ebony, um, who begins a relationship with Draco Malfoy. Um, in the story, there are existing uh, characters from the Potter canon. Um, Harry is sort of referred to throughout as Vampire Potter. Yeah. Um, Hermione, uh, Hermione, sorry, is reborn as Bloody Mary Smith. 
I'm so um, into Ron that. Is, uh, Ron Weasley is known as Diablo. Um, <laughs> it has 44 uh, chapters. It's over 20,000 words. Um, it's a long one. It would take... You can't skim read it by any means. No, it's a difficult read, again, just because it's just classic, like, early 2000s internet-based MSN writing. writing, like, MSN when writing. you write your status um, or whatever. I have got some passages that Go for I... It would like to share this is the bit i'm looking forward to is each of us trying to read out these fanfics in any kind of okay so what i'll do is i'll if you better put on a voice i'm gonna read some of these passages and then there's a really really great article that was on buzzfeed um during that series Mm. last year called the gloriously immortal life of my immortal by matilda gregory which i will absolutely um i will link to um she says, make no mistake, My Immortal is not a well-written piece of fan fiction, but there is something um, desperately compelling about it. From the author's notes, thanking Gillespie's best friend Raven for her help with spelling, what would it have been like without her? Just the dramatic moment when a disparager of the work appears to hack Gillespie's account and start publishing their own parody chapters. Um, the general sense of unreality occurs and reoccurs in the legend of My Immortal. The hacking incident, which some people believe was Gillespie herself, makes it hard to even be sure which parts are written by Gillespie and which aren't. And to this day, no one has admitted to being the work's author, despite its notoriety. It's hard to track down the full text online. It was mysteriously removed and reposted several times over. Is the work unintentionally hilarious or a deliberate parody? Who can tell? Who can tell? This sets the tone. So, I'm going to go in. I've only got... Um, sections from the first four chapters then I've just got some other choice lines that I desperately need to share with you but um, I'm going to start with this so the chapters are super short so 44 chapters seems like a horrendous amount but they are very short so okay don't look at me while I'm reading okay I'm not looking I'm not looking I'm not looking okay hi my name is Ebony Darkness Dementia Raven Way and I have long ebony black hair Dementia that's how I got my name. With purple streaks and red tips that meets, reaches my mid-back and icy blue eyes like limpid tears and a lot of people tell me that I look like Amy and me, Lee. Author note, <sighs> if you don't know who she is, get the hell out of here. Oh my god, get out. I'm not related to Jared Way, but I wish he was because he's a major fucking hottie. <laughs> I'm a vampire, but my teeth are straight and white. I have pale You're white skin. You're not a vampire skin. then. I am also a witch and I go to a magic school called Hogwarts in England where I'm in the seventh year. I'm 17. I'm a goth, in case you couldn't tell, and I wear mostly black. I love Hot Topic and buy all my clothes from there. For example, There's not a Hot Topic in England. No, but she's American. So Sorry, I... factual inaccuracies. Um, for example, today I was wearing a black corset with matching lace around it and black leather miniskirt, pink, pink fishnets and black combat boots. I was wearing black lipstick, white foundation, black eyeliner and red eyeshadow. Literally my daily wardrobe. I was walking outside Hogwarts. It was snowing and raining, so there was no sun, which I was very happy about. A lot of preps stared at me. I put up my middle finger at them. Hey, Ebony, shouted a voice. I looked up. It was Draco Malfoy. (laughs) What's up, Draco? I asked. Nothing, he said shyly. But then I heard my friends call me and I had to go away. (laughs) That's the first chapter. Um, Just another one of my favourite lines in this before we move on to something else. Mm -hmm. Um, Two of my favourite lines. I may be a Hogwarts student... But I am also a Satanist. I want that on a t-shirt. As if those aren't, like, those are mutually exclusive. Right, I want that on a t-shirt. I love that so much. I actually, scrolling through different types of fic, I didn't come across that type, like, my immortal level Mm -hmm. of fic too often. I did find one more, which Mm -hmm. was called Just The Way I'm Not by XXX Kawaii Candy. XXX. Kawaii Candy. Um... 
the list of fandoms, or well, I should say the list of characters, mm -hmm. um, and mostly TV shows featured on this sure. include Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Sherlock, Supernatural, The Vampire Diaries, Glee. Uh, All in the same thing. Oh yeah, Lego, Lord of the Rings. Lego. Sure. Uh, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit sorry. I just would like to pause here. I'm a bit suspicious of anything that includes Lego. My Little Pony. Oh no. Yeah. Uh, five Seconds of Summer, Fallout Boy, All Time Low, Panic at the Disco, Metallica, sure, The okay. Wanted, Careful. Fallout Boy, Hunger Games, The Avengers. I feel like I can kind of see, like, as the chat, because there's 19 is chapters, this, this seems... as it progressed, this person had watched more stuff and gone, I'm really into Avengers now. Um, are these just things Doctor that... Who, Britney Spears. Are these just things that are mentioned in it, or is this, like, legit? I think these are all oh, things that occur, and... Okay. Um, I took one, just an opening paragraph. It's very similar mm -hmm. to. Um, I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, my I, just quickly on the topic of my immortal. It's not. It's not like decently written by any means. I mean, in terms of what else I've kind of referred to as we go on, it's definitely. Um, it's definitely bottom of the pile. It's just funny yeah, to read. It's funny, but does it not? It's kind of charming in that it like perfectly it. recreates my like teenage years so i mean so perfectly growing up reading harry potter i remember thinking like oh god i would really like to go to hogwarts yeah and then and be the cool goth kid at hogwarts yeah and the older you get you think about like because i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna throw shade anywhere in the, in the potter fandom being that i'm a card carrying tattoo wearing member of it mm -hmm. but um it is interesting to think about the way that um you know what what music would Harry listen to? Well, you, yeah, exactly. What would Ron's favourite band or movie be, you know? Mm. So, there you go. Age isn't an issue in this one, okay. in terms of, like, Lord of the Rings, Gandalf. With, like, Gandalf Being is, like... like, their best friend at school. <laughs> so, it's pretty cool. I so quite like that. Yeah. So, this is just an extract. Okay. I heard my alarm clock and opened my eyes. I turned it off and closed my eyes. <laughs> I closed my eyes. They're already closed. And then I sat up. I smiled because even though it was Monday, I was happy. Because I would see my crush today at school. This bit's in capitals. His name is Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> and he has amazing dyed red hair with green bangs. That does not... <laughs> that doesn't work, red and green. Um, oh, he has uh, the wanted, brackets, best band ever hoodie that he always wears. And it smells so Good. If he wore that all the time, smell good. like crap. He has the coolest tumbler brackets. I fucking love it, even though I'm new to it. In school. <laughs> I went onto the bus and rolled my eyes at the bus driver, who always eyed me weirdly, because I'm a scene. Then I walked to the back of the bus where Harry was saving a spot for me. But Bilbo was sitting in the middle of the bus with a stupid popular girl. And I was so frustrated. Instead of sitting down with Harry, I went to see Bilbo and a bitch sitting next to him. Hi, Bilbo. I frilted. I don't know what frilted is. Sure. I frilted. Okay. Hi, Linley, he replied, silently holding that naturally blonde bitch's hand, tightly glaring up at me. Oh, my God. Why do you hate me so much? I screamed. This is escalating. Yeah. So that there's just an extract. I'll we'll have to link through to that. That escalated quickly. I just yep. I I God, I love when I filtered stuff. It's just um filtering. my when I when I was like a kid and I would do like I guess just write thick and stuff. The thesaurus was my best friend. Yeah. 
It's because there, so there are only so many it's ways. Fruited. Fruited isn't a thing, right? Thing. No. Um, okay. There are only fine. so many ways you can say laughed yeah. or said. Yeah. You know? She said, he said, he I winced. Said, he said, yeah. I asked, he asked. So um, quite. I quite like fics which are particularly niche fandoms. Mm -hmm. um, the niche fandoms are the best. The niche fandoms are the best. I mean, I there's one... I'm not going to read any. Oh, I... Okay. No, maybe I won't read this. Um, there's a... I really want you to read it, FYI. Okay. There's one fic in particular that I found um, um, on AO3, which is called Him. Okay. It's is a... it about Vilvalo? No, oh. disappointingly. Sorry. I don't know why it's called Him. Um, it's a Ryan Gosling and Jake Gyllenhaal. Ah, yes. Fic. Um, so um, in the fic in particular, it's basically Ryan and Jake are best friends. Okay. But... Is it leading to something more? Oh, you know it is. Um, there's one drunken incident. I mean, I will preface this by saying this is like full on PWP where it's like it starts and within about two seconds, it rapidly escalates into being smutty. Um, <laughs> quite explicitly so. So I won't be reading any of those bits out. But um, Shame. they become their best friends. who become lovers. Mm -hmm. um, I'll, I think I sent you this passage last night. Um, and there's just one line in it that just made me absolutely die. I will read it. Okay. I hail a taxi, and before I know it, I'm back in my cold, empty apartment. I regret freaking out and leaving like that, but I can't deal with this right now. I need to figure out what I'm feeling before I hurt someone I care about. Oh, this is so angsty. I love I it. I need to figure out what this means for me. Am I gay? No. I love women. <laughs> women are soft and cuddly and smell nice all the time. So I'm bisexual. I ponder this idea. Before that fucking party, I never even considered putting a dick in my mouth, let alone enjoying the experience. <laughs> um, I think that's written from the perspective of Ryan Gosling, because in this story, I think Jake John Hall's gay, so um, Ryan had not been privy to the ways of a man before. So, Did you specifically go look to find Jake Gyllenhaal fic by any chance? Because I specifically went out to find Tom Hardy fic. I'm going to be honest, um, I did. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then you were like, Ryan Gosling is the best combo. I also found one called Best Thing I've Ever Found by Eleanor underscore lavish. Mm -hmm. It has Tom Hardy in it. Mm -hmm. It has Chris Pine in it. <laughs> sure. Which I just thought was topical. And it has Benedict Cumberbatch in it. Gross. But fine. Synopsis. Chris has a problem. Tom has a solution. And Ben is magical. Brackets, but not really. Okay. In this... Similarly, mm -hmm. Tom is like, but Tom is full blown, like he's just outwardly bisexual. Okay. Charlotte is involved and is aware of this, oh, and okay, it's like okay. she has some. So Charlotte's actually in this fic. Oh, nice. Um, she's like, it's cool. There are people who are not on your acceptable list that you can't go out and bang when you're working. Benedict Cumberbatch is one that you are totally allowed to bang. He's on oh, the safe list. I think it's nice they haven't agreed. It's like, yes, you know, like yes. your five five famous people you could sleep with. Yeah, you yeah. So Fine. Charlotte is completely acknowledged in this I story. Like yeah, and she's totally cool with it. Ben, they refer to him as Ben. It's Ben. Ben is also openly, I don't know if he's bisexual or gay, but he's open. Okay. Chris is not so sure. Chris has Ooh, he's on the fence. always been with women, but he'd like to dabble in men. Would you say he's on the... The pine fence. <laughs> I would. Um, oh, honestly. Um, so Chris has a problem. He wants to have sex with a man, but Aww. he's just not sure how to go about it. Tom, who is just a sexual deviant, um, is really happy to instigate this. Chris I... is not on his safe list. Oh, my God. 
god. So there's a problem. Shit. That was disappointing. Charlotte when I got is to that. Be I know. More happy. Um, ben is on the safe list. So Chris wants Ben. Uh, Tom wants Ben and Chris to hook up, but Tom sure. really can't help but get involved. Do you know what? I think this has a lot of, like, deeply rooted in truth, to be honest. But I know. felt, I mean, in all honesty, you like this I think happen? they captured Tom's tone of voice perfectly. <laughs> sure. That was my favourite, actually. <sighs> there are a couple I'm like, of you things. do know these guys well. There's a couple of things coming up, actually, when it comes to um, various different characters, which I was like, yeah, you know what? You've done I a really totally good job with this. the tone of that. Okay. Are you reading some? Excerpt. Shut up, Tom says fondly and watches as Chris runs a hand through his hair. Tom's in good shape, great shape, and Chris is as all-American as they, can, they come. He really is. L I know. Lean pecs and abs and a fine line of hair that slips under the low waist of his jeans. April's biting her knuckles. Tom sighs. As confident as Benny is in the bedroom, he's never really understood his own appeal. I can imagine Benedict Cumberbatch does actually feel that way. And is called Benny. I'd never call him Benny. Here comes Tom. Here comes Tom. Pine, can you get that bastard's bloody T-shirt off so we can all have a show, he says. And Chris, God bless him, doesn't even flinch. He takes three steps, not one but two, three, towards Ben and undoes the last few buttons, slipping Ben's shirt back over his shoulders, his fingers skating over Ben's pale skin. It's fucking glorious. You can tell this is Tom's point of view. And Tom digs his fingers into the sofa cushions to keep up from standing up to join them. This is going to be the best night he's had in a while, but it's also going to be the worst. He can feel it. Now his belt, Tom says. And Chris pauses for a deep breath before he reaches for it. Chris always does best with clear direction, Tom remembers. Oh my God. I was reading this, getting like pissing myself, but also thinking, I absolutely have to finish this. Oh my God. Can I read? Can you? I want to read that. Yeah, I will link everyone to it. Is that not just. I'm a big. This is what, like, when it comes to real person thick, I just think that all these kind of different imagined oh. couples is like my favorite thing. There's a. Um, there's a uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Margot Robbie one oh. I read which like randomly imagines them together. I'm um, also, so I was talking about how I like the niche stuff. Yeah. Um, there is a, so you know that one of my favorite films is um, Prisoners. Yes. Prisoners, the film. Um, <laughs> there shouldn't be any fic about Prisoners. Oh, uh, Steph. Good. There is, there's Prisoners fan fiction. Thanks, internet. Um, so one of, the, <laughs> one of them is called Trouble, um, and it's a detective Loki. And... Ooh. Harleen Quinzel from Suicide Squad crossover. Really? That's, yes. that's an unusual crossover. Niche. It, I think the person that wrote this actually, Very niche. when I went back on AO3, um, she wrote the Jake and Margot Robbie shipping um, fix. Big so fan of Jake. Just really likes Jake and Margot was Robbie. Was it you? Um, it was me. Um, and basically the, the, the sort of synopsis is that um, Harleen Quinzel, so if you don't know Suicide Squad or the character of Harley Quinn at all. Harleen Quinzel is a psychiatrist who works at Arkham Asylum and then she ends up becoming Harley Quinn. I think you would know what she looks like. Yeah, so um, in this particular fic, she ends up working at the station at which Detective Loki, which is Jake Gyllenhaal's character in Prisoners, works at and they have a bit of like, a lot of sexual tension. Um, that sounds great already. I haven't got any passages from it, but um, there's another fic, which is the first Prisoners fan fiction I came across in this property. Okay. I like that there's more than one, actually. Yeah, there this are quite cool. a few. Um, and it's a, again, it's 
it's a detective Loki and it's like an imagined girlfriend. So there's a little bit. So you can insert yourself into it. Yeah, I mean, in this one in particular, there is an established girlfriend and, and you find out some backstory and it, it's that um, she's like an, a kind of protester that David Loki meets. And they kind of like fall in love. It's Absolutely, there's backstory and everything. There's well, backstory. So oh much. god, it's so good. Um, and um, so the trajectory of, of this um, this this fic in particular is just called um, Relax. Um, and I can't. I haven't for some reason I haven't written down the name of the person. But um, there's three chapters. It's only a three chapter fic. Okay. So it's not very very long. Um, it's quality, not quantity. Quality, not quantity. And it's basically kind of like the. In all of the Detective Loki fix, um, he, I mean, in the film, he's a deeply troubled, kind of angsty mm. person, and that has very much come through in the fic. Um, there's um, one of As the, we said before, a lot of people like angst. Yeah, so in, the, in this particular fic, um, the, the, in the author notes, there was song inspiration. Oh. All I Need by Radiohead. <gasps> so there's like, you could listen to that song on Spotify Steph, and read it. When I was reading it last night. You know, I was listening. Oh, I love, oh, I love right. that, and that builds a whole like universe. Right. Um, I will just read you a little bit. Please do. It, says, um, it isn't that he doesn't care that his woman will wake up unhappy. It's that he can't stand to sleep at all. He soon finds that this was un untrue. Upon waking, staring at the ceiling of his car, the chill of a never-ending November wrapping her thin, drafty fingers around his throat. He had never failed a case before. He reluctantly supposes there's a first time for everything. God damn it, no, it's going to happen. He's going to find those little girls. He's been trying to draw the pieces together. People keep dying off and not being viable options. The last one never should have managed to get a hold of that gun and fucking shoot himself. Detective Loki hadn't seen that coming. The boss has made it clear how much he's fucked this up. He doesn't want to be a fuck up. The rain continues to pour and the, the detective turns his key in the ignition, followed by the dial on the heat, rubbing his ungloved hands together. As he waits for the engine to warm up, he finds himself thinking about Franca, the last thing he should be thinking about on the job. It had taken him by surprise to turn on the light in his room the previous night and find her lying there. He was almost certain that she'd given up. That was really good. Good, isn't it? That was good. It was legitimately a good fit. Yeah, that was good. Go. I was into I just, that. I just really enjoyed the nicheness yeah. that prisoners. I didn't go looking for prisoner specific fit. It was when I was sort of uh, finding, trying to find Jake stuff that this came up. Um, so I just think that's very e exemplary of the kind of alternate universe kind of trope, and also the fact that it can get really, really, really niche. Mm. Well, I found a couple, just two niche examples Go that on. I would like to share. One, um, there are quite a few fics um, based on TV adverts slash commercials. Oh, so okay. serials seem to be quite a popular one. There's lots of Lucky Charms <laughs> oh, no. stories. Yeah, um, most of them are kind of satirical. So, like satirical kind of alternative adverts that have been written okay. that are like quite brief yep. or short stories based on. Yeah, based on advertisements, basically. Um, I found one called M&M's Gone Psycho uh, by Super Fanfic Entertainment. M&M's the Sweet, not M&M the Rapper. M&M's the Sweet. Good, thanks for clarifying. I chose this because I really love M&M's. They're my favourite chocolate. You do? Yes. Um, I like that the synopsis says... Excuse one of the words. Um, what was the goal of this story? To write the second most retarded random thing in my head and see the results. Oh, well, there you go. It's a good... So this is about M&M's going psycho and killing people. A brief extract. Go on. The red M&M snarled at Andrew. Do you know what it's like for us living M&Ms? 
It's embarrassing, horrifying and degrading for us to be treated as simple snack foods. These, these effigies, they've been looking things up on Google. <laughs> we want to be treated like everyday people, but all everybody tells us is how delicious we taste. Plus, dogs sniff us and bite us when we're out walking. Little overweight kids chase us for miles. Every day, many of us get eaten on the street by you fucktards, and now we want revenge. I'd never thought about yep. the struggle of an M&M book. Exactly. But actually, I've just really taken that for granted. Um, One more, just in the niche section. How are you going to better that? Mary Poppins. <laughs> okay. This is called Feed the Birds by Slightly Kylie. Sure. Synopsis. Practically perfect people never allow sentiment to muddle their thinking. Okay. So this is quite an atmospheric, short little story about Bert and Mary meeting again near the bird woman okay and uh mary is reminiscing about knowing the bird woman at school oh, sure. as a young girl everyone's connected i mean firstly i just liked the nicheness of I this and it well. is it is all just atmosphere and like nostalgia and emotion it's sure. very i was like is this going to be like a jokey oh, and then they had sex no no this is you know tension yeah this is a moment just a moment explored. And I also mainly wanted to read this so I could do the voice of Bert. Oh, my God. Okay, go. You're being very performative today. I'm very much enjoying this. Oh, I never get a chance, April. Right. A little way away, a woman in a neat navy suit and a black hat adorned with cherries sat on a bench, gazing towards the cathedral steps. A furled umbrella lay beside her on the bench, silent for the moment. Mary Poppins. <laughs> The woman startled. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you have to make some momentum with this. Then smiled with genuine warmth. She turned to face the speaker. Bert, how lovely to see you again. Why, same to you. <laughs> he planted an impetuous kiss, an impetuous kiss, on her cheek. She permitted it with demure decorum. I'm not saying this is a great book. Moving her umbrella so he could sit beside her. So here you are, back in London. <laughs> you can't keep laughing if you're going to Sorry. Do stuff. Come on. Sorry. So here you are, back in London. Nannying again, I suppose. Mary, stop laughing. Mary smiled a little and shrugged. I don't know yet. The wind carried me in the morning and left me here. I suppose I'll find out why in a day or two. Seems like the wind brings you a good deal. <laughs> Bert commented. I'm going to stop there because I can't anymore. Aww. Niche Mary Poppins That's fiction. That's such a nice story. Um, Hello, I, Mary Poppins. I, <laughs> can't I do. think <sighs> that I can perhaps one-up the nicheness oh, of that. Go on. By, um, so I'm, I, not, I'm, I'm so gonna, hot reading these out. Oh, oh, I'm not going to lay claim to, um, to having sourced this myself. This was one that... Um, that Vaughn sent over when we asked her for just some kind of... We had to ask Vaughn for some recommendations, and she was she was great. She was very good with it. Um, I just, when she linked this, I just... Oh, God, man, I just... I couldn't believe it was even a thing. So it <laughs> is... Um, it's called The Malteser Falcon. Okay. By Toft. Right. I don't know what that's about yet. Okay. Okay, I'm not going to tell you what it's about, because I want you to try and infer it. Right. It's a bit like an exam question. Okay, Jesus, okay. the pressure's on. Right. The name's Perkins, Sue Perkins. <laughs> yeah. 
I do cheating wives, embezzling secretaries, secret mistresses and runaway daughters. I also solve cases, but that's more of a day job. On my Brilliant. office door, it says private eye. It also says, often, out for lunch. My secretary is always criticising my work ethic. Her name's Mel, and she's a leggy redhead. At least I assume she has legs. A leggy red... Uh, she assumes she has legs? At least I assume she has legs. I've never seen them. They're always under the desk. With a snappy response for every quip and a passion for shortbread brickies. Seems a bit sexist, doesn't she? I keep her supplied with good stuff, and she keeps her mouth shut about my cases because it's full of shortbread. <laughs> On this particular day, I was bouncing a tennis ball against the wall, and Mel was filling in a super cryptic crossword puzzle. I was just about to head out for a shortbread when there was a knock at the door. I seized a file from the desk and tried to look busy, which would have been more convincing if the file hadn't been covered with dust. Then she walked in. She had blue eyes, coral lips and silver hair that had Ooh, once been oh, golden. I know who this is. Her gaze was direct, her teeth expensive and her clothes stylish <laughs> but practical. She was in her late 70s, I guess, but I didn't make the mistake of thinking that this was a fragile old dear. Everyone in this town knew the stories. Over her long career, she'd crushed her, crushed her many enemies into dust finer than ground almonds, sprinkled them onto cakes and served them up to the city officials she had in her dainty apron po pocket. Her name was Mary Berry, but they called her the Pastry Queen. <laughs> so it's like 007 meets... It's, um, it's Great British Bake Off fic. I like that. But, but meets like... Written, written in the style of like a noir thriller. Yeah, I'm really into that. It's really good. It's only three chapters long, but I definitely We're, we're going to have to link all of these. It, I just thought it was so niche. I just also felt that it really nailed like the comedic kind of dynamic between Mel and Sue. Mm. It's very referential. I very much enjoyed it. Um, another one I don't have passages for, or another two I don't have passages yeah. for actually, but I definitely want to draw attention to because... Um, there are two particular fandoms which I enjoy a great deal. One was a Hamilton fiction. Okay, yeah. Thick, um, which was um, called Interlude, brackets Rise Up by Faye from AO3. Um, it's written in a, like a rap verse. Oh my God. In the way that Hamilton is written. Brilliant. It's, verse. it's definitely worth checking out. It's very I clever. I was very impressed by it. Another one that um, Vaughn said we should read was a Captain America um, collaborative fic between... Um, one, two, three, four, five, six people, I think. Okay. Um, their usernames are quite tricky. Wow. So I'm not going to mention I mean, collaborating in any creative way can honestly, be very difficult. Honestly, it's such a good thing to read. Even if you're not kind of a, a huge fan of uh, Captain America in particular, it's worth reading. It's called Steve Rogers at 100, Celebrating Captain America on Film. Um, the I kind of synopsis is that, um, obviously, if we kind of imagine the world of Captain America... Um, there are likely to have been different films made again about him in mm. this kind of universe. So um, Cap discovers that um, a lot of movies have been made about him um, and him and Bucky um, basically kind of work their way through watching mm. them. And it's really interesting. Um, it's very meta. There's a lot of wow. uh, some sections which are kind of like academic. Oh, I academic. love meta They're meant so to be like academic writing about Cap's representation on film. Um, and they're also like plot synopsises of the films that have been imagined that have been made about Captain America. There's also really neat things where there's kind of like them as movie posters, yeah, which are like imagined um, films that have God, been made so, about Captain yeah. America. It's so good. Um, I will hundred rec percent uh, recommend reading it, and I will link to it as well because it it was just really cleverly put together. And, and in terms of kind of linking at the way that kind of you could collaborate on mm. fic, I thought it was a really interesting. Um, kind of thing to kind of... That sounds great. I'll have at. to read that. Um, I've got just one more um, 
that I had mentioned to you last night. It was actually the first one I started reading and I meant to kind of skim it um, and then ended up reading the whole thing for two hours. Um, it's called Just for the Cameras by Flourish. It's on Wattpad. It's quite a well-known, I think, fic um, about Harry Styles, Louis Tomlinson and Rita. Larry. Larry. So, uh, and it's, it was re- it's really good. So it's pretty well written. There were some really nice touches in it that I'll tell you about. And I've got a couple of extracts. So the synopsis is, this totally ties into Larry like a thousand percent, Can but it's not just that. explain what Larry is? Larry is um, the, well, I, I say the theory. It's, it's, I guess you're shipping Harry Styles and Louis Tomlinson as a couple. So there is a, yeah, they're of One Direction fame. There is a a very, very strong fan base for this. Um, For a long time, um, looking at the Larry hashtag on Instagram was like my favorite thing. Yeah, there's lots of Photoshop edits. Um, There is very much um, a theory um, that many people do seem to wholeheartedly believe in that Harry and Louis are in a secret relationship sure. together. I buy into um, that. So the synopsis to this is, when you catch Harry Styles' eye, it seems too good to be true. And it is. He wants you to be his girlfriend, but just for the cameras. His heart really belongs to Louis Tomlinson. Or does it? A story in several parts told in Boston, New York, London and Los Angeles. Secrets, lies, sex, love, tabloids, fandom and betrayal. And most of all, the magic of Harry and Louis. And you're invited along. So the premise is that... Yeah. So straight away, the premise is that you wake up one morning and it's the morning of the One Direction concert that you're going to and you're really excited. And your best friend, Maddie, who's like your best friend in the whole world, leaves, you wake up and you your phone and she's going insane. And she's like, you have to check Instagram. Harry has commented on one of your selfies just saying, nice. <gasps> so you're losing your shit. Can you imagine? Yeah. I can imagine. Just I'm completely losing your right shit. Now. So I got a little extract from this because I just, I actually think it's, it's really nice and it's very... You can kind of pull yourself. It sounds. I feel. I say. I feel ridiculous saying this, but you totally like buy into buy it. Into so, it. there's a little extract from this moment. So really early on. So you're looking at the comment again, really for the bazillionth time, to try and convince yourself it's no big deal. The internet obviously doesn't think so. Tons of people you don't know are congratulating you in the comments, and more than a few other people are telling you to die in a fire because you aren't that cute. When you get an email. From someone who seems to be working with Harry Styles. Subject line, backstage passes? The email itself is short and to the point. Harry liked your photo. He noticed that you were a 1D fan from your profile description and saw that you were planning to go to the concert that night. He wanted to offer you and a friend backstage passes. Would you come? Your stomach drops roughly to the centre of the earth. Your head goes the other way. Your vision seems to be narrowed just to your phone screen. It can't be real, can it? But it sort of has to be real, doesn't it? Who would punk you like this? You don't know anybody who would punk you like this. Nobody would be that mean, which means that this is real. Oh my God, he wants to bang you. (laughs) Maddie screams when you tell her. So I like Maddie because she's your best friend. She comes with you to this fan, to this um, concert. She 
I mean, you basically wouldn't survive it without her. You get there, you can't find where you get VIP passes. She she finds the place for you. So she's you're like freaking properly, out. She's yeah. like guiding you through. She, all of this. you're totally freaking out. You think it can't be true. They can't even find the VIP passes on the door. Oh, and she's the one that calmly explains the situation. They ring Harry's PA. It all gets sorted. Maddie. Yeah. When you go to the meet and greet afterwards, which is when you're meeting them, she's the one holding your hand and telling you you're going to be okay. Oh. So I was immediately like, never mind Harry and Louis. Oh, what Maddie is like Maddie? the best friend oh, ever. Oh, gosh. So, of course, the story is that you're approached from a PR perspective because you want to work in that industry. Sure. In PR. Um, and you are told that you can have an internship with them if you go on tour with 1D and pretend to be Harry's girlfriend. I'd do that with you, do And A thousand percent, I'm already there. Um, Louis, on the other hand, doesn't like you at all because he's pretty jealous. Um, we didn't really touch at length about 1D fic and fandom in general, but um, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's another big one, isn't it? It's one of my faves. I like the boy band trope. You yeah, me that I book. was fully buying into this as well. You bought me that book uh, a couple of birthdays ago, which I believe is... Kill the Boy Band? Kill the Boy Band, which is... Um, is that kind of like fanfic, but not... Is it? Yeah, is, when yeah. I was looking at kind of, um, you know, fics that have gone mainstream, that was listed in there. Not because people were critical of it, because it was exploitative, but just because it was an interesting look at actually how a lot of YA fiction now is being mm. informed by um, kind of fic tropes and um, the idea of kind of you know, characters and, and scenarios basically being thinly veiled looks at just just having origins in yeah, fic. So yeah. kill the boy band, it's a boy band. Um which but well, they're not they're not one D at all, but it's kind of interesting. It's like, similar and it was difficult respects. for me to read it and not just be thinking like this is one direction <laughs> in my head. Um so yeah. Oh that was good. Yeah. I like So that. I'll link that through. Well done. Um have you got any others you want to draw attention to? No, they're just the the few I was reading uh, last night. There's, I mean, there's Jesus it's Christ, vast, so man. many. Like we could have just, I mean, I've just got a couple of other oh, please do fandoms that I just want to shout out. Um, I'm a big fan of Mad Men. Yes, and what um, a lot of the Mad Men, <clears throat> sorry, fan fiction I came across was um, imagined kind of, uh, well, I guess it's just shipping of, of Peggy Olsen and Don Draper. Yeah. Um, in the show, um, Don is Peggy's boss for a while and then he gets her a job as an actual kind of um, working in advertising as opposed to being secretary. And throughout the series, if you don't know anything about Mad Men, Peggy kind of like rises within the ranks of um, the ad agency, which is really great. And there were a lot, a lot of fix about um, the uh, imagined kind of relationships of Don and Peggy, which I thought mm. was an interesting one. Um, we were talking earlier about kind of um, fix being a continuation or imagining what would happen beyond the end of of, of a fictional work. Mm. Um, I came across a couple of 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, I um, bet. There are fix. Oh. There was one called 10 Things I Hate About Reunions by Bri Rosa. Do they do a reunion? Yeah, it's a, a cat meets Patrick at an airport where they're both stranded because um, there's a 10-year reunion taking place back at Padua and um, her sister tries to get her back from um, cats living in Brooklyn and um, she gets tricked into heading home but then she decides to head back to Brooklyn and at the airport she meets Patrick um, and they're not together anymore but it's okay. uh, oh. and then another one is they say miracles are past they're wrong by um, LZ um, and this is another kind of imagined cat running into Patrick again in New York after okay. seven years um, they were both really good um, and I was surprised by how good they were not in a um, 
kind of, oh, this would be shit kind of way, but just in a kind of like, oh, you know what? When I was a teenager and I was obsessed with 10 Things I Hate About You, I really did wonder, like, oh, well, what? Especially with, it was fine with movies that are about high school. You yeah. imagine what's going to happen. You're like, what happens? Couple, for, yeah. Go through college, especially with couples. Mm-hmm. So this, these, these two in particular were just really nice, kind of like, oh, yeah, that would be interesting. Brilliant. Um, again, a couple of others I want to shout out. Um, after we saw Force Awakens last god two years ago now mm-hmm. um i was super into reading yeah Force awakens fix so there was the poe and finn oh fandom yeah explore that if you get a chance and also the weird pairing perhaps of kylo ren and ray um mm. semi-disturbing very into it i think we'll stop there because i think we could go on forever but we'll link to everything we've mentioned we'll have to do like a podcast thread and then a massive fanfic thread yeah we'll do two separates because i think that's probably a good idea but, i mean i just it's, I just hope people go and read some as well. It's so like, vast, and I just think that, you know, we've we've quite eloquently talked at length about the criticisms that often get thrown at fic, but, I mean, when I was doing a lot of the research, I mean, we've drawn attention to, like, kind of semi-ridiculous things mm. like My Immortal, but, um, you know, there is some really great writing out there. There is. And I think it's just an example of how, you know, fic writers are... Are, they are real writers mm-hmm. they should always consider themselves real writers and similarly they should be considered real writers mm. because just because they're using perhaps using someone else's kind of universe as a springboard on which to place their writing i think that mm. you know i was so impressed man yeah so so impressed so good so um episode five coming to a end um we're heading towards our favorite section yeah the section that i used to forget all the time that steph would formally forget um it's obsession of the week do you want to go first have you got one i do um my this week for me has been very work orientated i have spent 12 to 15 hours a day um doing work related um things and i have but luckily for me I work um in the arts I work in a literature organization and I have been able to sample a lot of live literature this week which has been really really great um and I just wanted to highlight one uh poet actually um Harry Giles um is a is a poet that we've been and a writer that we've been working with um Harry uh, gave a reading uh, at dinner one night and uh, spoke about um, like a, a pamphlet that they've written um, called Trump Patterson. Sure. Okay, what it is, Trump Patterson is um, all of Donald Trump's tweets from February 2017 with proper nouns replaced by Robert Pattinson. Oh my God. Formatted as a pamphlet of bastard sonnets. So... <laughs> It says, in, yeah, it says in, in the little intro, was thanks to Andrew Blair for the prompt, the, oca- the occasion, and an introduction to the rhythmic pleasures of saying Robert Pattinson over and over again. It's such a satisfying name to say. It's so good. And I cannot even claim to, I, I cannot eloquently um, read these in a way that does justice to them. When Harry read them, it was, it was just amazing. It was so funny. I would recommend going to harrygiles.org sure. and uh, looking up all of Harry's writing. But in particular, you can download Trump slash Pattinson for uh, £3. And uh, there are also audio readings of all of them. Oh, cool. Okay, um, that would be and great. And it's brilliant. And it just that's my obsession of the week because it was just so... It was, it was fucking great. Ah, 
That's brilliant. Very, very into that. Um, I'm going to lower the tone. Good. Ever so slightly. Sorry to get so, yeah. No, I'm into that. That's really cool. I say um, highbrow. It was Trump Robert Pattinson. Hey, that's but... your deal. I'm the, you're the highbrow. I'm the lowbrow. My obsession of the week is that this week, John Hamm, actor oh. John Hamm, was photographed leaving a cineplex with Jelly Slate. <laughs> and I cannot stop thinking about Are this. you still on there? Are you still? Oh, my fucking God. So I adore... Who's the luckier one? Oh, Jesus Christ. I don't even know. I love Jenny Slate so much because I just think she's an incredibly funny actress. She's very warm. We talked about her briefly when we talked about the article mm. um, in which she talked about the breakup of her, not only her marriage, but her the demise of her brief relationship with um, Chris Evans. Mm. And I adore John Hamm. He's just one of my favourite actors. Um... I mentioned that I was obsessed with Mad Men. He's great in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. He's got hilarious comedic chops. He was great in Wet Hot American Summer, the TV show. And I just think the sheer idea of them together is something. Is that pretty dreamy. Me, it just gives me so much hope in the world. I can't tell who's, you know, I mean, he, well done, John Hamm, mm. for, for bagging Jenny Slate. Similarly, well done, Jenny Slate, for going from Captain America to Don Draper. A plus would She's recommend doing all right. I really hope this is real because, oh god, I, I just can't even. I hope there's some fanfic written about that. I will bloody write that. Good. Fanfic. Okay, that's the one. Um, so that's us done. Um, you can find us online at Twitter. We're at the first SoundCloud.com forward slash the first pod. iTunes. You can search for us the first. Instagram. We're at the first pod. Um, you can send us your thoughts, feelings comments to uh the first pod at gmail.com send us some fanfic um bye bye i'm so tired i'm having to lie down that's really taken She's out lying of me down. bye bye